106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Black History Month, you find ridiculous. Why? You're going to relegate my history to a month? Oh, come on. What do you do with yours? What, which month is white history month? No, well, no. well, come on, tell me. Well, the, I'm Jewish. Okay, which I'm month sure. is Jewish history month? Uh, there isn't one. Oh, oh, why not? Yeah. Do you want one? No, no, no. I, I, right. I, don't. I don't either. I don't want a black history month. Black history is American history. How are we going to get rid of racism? Until... Stop talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. I know you as Mike Wallace. You know me as Morgan Freeman. You want to say, well, I, I know this white guy named Mike Wallace. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. This is a little message to the Canadian truckers. It's like, go home. Enough's enough. Yeah, I live here in Ottawa, and it's like I haven't slept in weeks. You're holding us hostage. You're up all night screaming. You're singing your racist chants, kumbaya, or the Lord's Prayer. It's like enough. And somebody attacked me yesterday. They attacked me. They, well, they didn't attack me. They were throwing a blanket around me because they said I, I looked cold. But it was a red blanket. It's like, well, what else is red? Swastikas. Oh, I see what you're doing. I see what you're up to. And then another guy attacked me and he said, here, take these warm pancakes. You look cold. And I was like, no. And he's like, yes. I was like, fine. But the pancakes were so dry and crumbly. It's, it's like it almost choked me. I was like, oh, you're trying to kill me. I see what you're trying to do. Then another guy gave me a can of gas for my car. It's like, enough. Go home. And I started to read what he, he said. This is a couple of weeks ago. He was, or maybe this is September, but he was talking about people who are not vaccinated. He said they don't believe in science. They're often misogynistic, often racist. No, they're mm, not. That was not that, smart of him at all. Right. He said, but they take up space. Mm. And oh. with that, we have to make a choice in terms of a leader as a country. Do we tolerate these people? It's like, tolerate these? Now you do that's, sound like no, Hitler. That's, mm -hmm. that, that was... uh, and recently he talked about them. Holding, holding unacceptable views. Wow. This, I'm yeah. surprised to hear that Trudeau said those things. You didn't see the blackface? I mean, he's... <laughs> he's, he's uh, no, I'm kidding about it. I'm not... I'm not I mean, that was not a good look for him. No, but, uh, I, I mean, uh, come on. I mean, that's, I think, what gets under people's skin. Something Where are they taking him? See, I'm not taking him anywhere. We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you a message from the President of the United States. My fellow Jamaicans, our nation is in a crisis. The Decepticon variant Hobo 19 is still killing fat people. Inflation is destroying our fire jars, and now that Ukraine is being sexually, sexually raped. That is why I've asked Congress to order a full-scale attack on Joe Rogan. To, uh, not, 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 not Joe Rogan, the, the Russian guy. The, the guy with the shirt. Pootie Tang, man. He's a bad dude. 
We, we, we gotta come together, man. Get this guy. He's got, he's got our cranes. He's got all the cranes. We, we need him for the bigger, better, better, better build back. The build back, better, better. The better, the better, better, build back. The better, better, build back, better plan, man. You say it three times fast, pal. You say it. This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio. Thank you for tuning in, however you got here. Uh, we are, this show is going to be on on the 19th of February. This is our 151st episode. If you need to get keep track of it for some reason or tell somebody to go over to our website and check it out, or if you can't find it somewhere else, it'll be on our website at nohostagesradio.com, but... You should be able to pick it up at some of these hosting platforms where you get your podcast. Just put in No Hostages Radio and you'll find us. Uh, so if you want to reach me, you can email me at uh, Lou, L-O-U, at NoHostagesRadio.com. Or you could dial me up or text me at 530-713-1838, 530-713-1838. So... Over the, uh, the episodes and the programming over at KMYC that we do live, uh, people have volunteered. They just kind of start sending me stuff. And uh, I just want to first start out by thanking everyone that participated in uh, helping uh, do this show because I, I look at what they send me and, and I pick things that I think fit into this week's and it saves me a lot of work out there researching when you have five or six people doing that. They all do it out of the goodness of their heart, as someone once said. But I want to also thank, uh, starting out today, some shows say it at the end of the show, but uh, there's some <clears throat> guys involved to keep this thing going. Uh, Tanner Martis down in Conroe, Texas, works on the, uh, the podcast and posting our articles and podcasts on the website and up on the platforms where you can go get your podcasts like uh, iTunes or whatever like that, Google and stuff. And then we have Santos, we call him the Wiki Man Vigil, that helps locally here in Yuba County uh, with the live broadcasts on Saturday. We call that Live with Lou. That's where we started prior to podcast years ago. And uh, now we're back with them. And uh, so thank you to those guys. Then we, we just added... Or he added us, I think would be more appropriate, is Chris Starkey, which if you listened to the radio show many years ago, you would have heard Chris Starkey referred to by One Eye Blind Media. He would pick up the show and play it over on his uh, pages, One Eye Blind Media. And so he's helping again. He's helping with the Live with Lou uh, Facebook site where you can uh, pick up the recording of the uh, podcast. And he's also posting some of my articles over there and also... He uh, very kindly posts the show over at uh, It's Yuba City and More Facebook page and then also over at his One Eye Blind Media site or channel on Rumble, rumble.com. So One Eye Blind Media, and that's Chris Starkey. And again, all these people are wanting to uh, uh, just 
enable me, enable us to get the word out about things we're concerned about. And uh, also one final, well, two, two fellows, um, Ken Vrazell, who is the technology guy behind KMYC and uh, Q93, that's his station, Q93, but he also helps on KMYC, and he helped put the station back after it was burned down by an arsonist. And so Ken's wonderful. He's usually upstairs when we do our show, and anytime there's a hiccup, we call him because he fixes hiccups. And then finally... Uh, Ernie Friesen, who's the owner, uh, it, isn't it something when you buy something, right? You think you're going to buy something and improve it. He bought the radio station, and then right after he bought it, somebody burned it down. So uh, life has its adversities. So I want to thank Ernie Friesen, uh, who helps. Well, actually, it wouldn't be on there if it wasn't for Ernie Friesen over at KMYC. So if you, you can listen to us, uh, those that listen, I know we have some people I'm not saying we have a huge audience or anything, but uh, we have some people in a variety of states like uh, Austin, uh, Texas, Arizona, uh, Florida, uh, Missouri. Uh, I think some people up in Washington, uh, Nevada. You know, we we have a way of tracking this, but some of them just give me a shout out, and uh, so I wanted to uh, thank Robert down in. Arizona, who many, many years ago, over 40 years ago, we lived in a commune together uh, where we got converted fo to follow Jesus. And, and uh, we, over the years, everybody scattered, and he ended up in Arizona. And he, I don't know how he ended up listening to the show, but but he sent us a contribution a while back, and he said, oh, I want to send you some money. And I thought, oh, well, that's nice. You know, I mean, that's amazing. Guy hadn't seen you for over 40 years, listened to the show, and then he sends uh, some money. He sent a lot of money uh, for me. It's a lot of money for me and and uh, in, in my realm. But, uh, you know, we, we don't solicit money here. Uh, we have few people that advertise with us, but we don't really solicit or do fundraisers. We just we're m really more focused on doing the work. And uh, but uh, all the money that comes, we just spend on improving and and hi hiring people to fix things and and doing websites and all that stuff. Nobody really is making a living on this. So I want to thank everybody at the beginning and, uh, don't do it every time, but I, I, the guys that, uh, make this thing sound good every, every week mean a lot to me. I don't know what I do without them. So, uh, thank you so much. And let's, let's get into this thing, uh, today. Uh, we appreciate you listening and anytime you want to shoot us a little, uh, a comment or question, or you want to, uh, you know, on the uh, on the radio show, I have people that text me saying, hey, 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 you add this part. <laughs> you, you forgot to say this or do this, uh, etc." So uh, thank you so much, everybody. OK, so the reason we do the uh, podcast, No Hostages Radio and the radio show Live with Lou, it wasn't that I liked doing radio. I, I really never knew anything about it. Uh, I was encouraged to do it, but. The reason I decided I'm going to make this happen, and then and then after I quit the radio and then did the podcast be, because a Tanner Martis was in town helping us on other projects, and he knew how to do this, is that uh, I felt I didn't know how long I had to live in whatever time I have left. I felt uh, God has been so good to me uh, and scooping me up out of a really messed up life that uh, I just... I needed to 
not I don't want to use the term the cliche give back, but I wanted to do whatever I could uh, right to the end of my life, uh, making a point of what's right. And uh, my feeling is everybody is going to be influenced by somebody. And there's a lot of funky influences in the world. And I got caught up in some bad influences early on in life. I had good parents, but uh, went, went the wrong way for a number of years until uh, I, I had a, a spiritual revolution. And, uh, and it was so shocking to me that I thought, you know, uh, I was so grateful that the light got turned on for me that I wanted to do whatever I could the rest of my life to help others get there. And so as, as I've seen the country... Uh, really go through a complete collapse over the last pronounced collapse over the last decade at least uh, and and a subtle uh, evolution of deterioration over the last 40 years I decided I I got uh, you know if it's just me and my uh, my kids are growing and they can make their own decisions but I got these little grandkids running around they don't have a clue what's going on they're getting blindsided and I thought, you know, we're going to throw down here. And uh, so this isn't so much about entertainment uh, or even giving information. We do both, and I'm proud to do both, and, and I'm happy when it comes off good. But uh, this is about equipping you and motivating you, prodding you, pushing you, kick you in the rear end to to pick up the gauntlet and go for it. And stand up in your arena, stand up in your neighborhood, stand up in your club, your church, your whatever you're about, whatever your hangout is. Stand up, uh, be more informed, be better informed. Look, look back at the founding fathers and what they stood for, the mission of America, and uh, let's get it on. And uh, so that's what this is about, is to motivate you and to rally you and to uh, this country will be uh i used to tell the kids in juvenile hall when i spoke there a lot up until the covid time but i was there about 37 years i think and i used to tell them uh the community will only be as if you if you don't like our community if you think it's a dirty community unkind community unloving community nothing to do here I always told the kids that the, the community is about as kind as you are. The community is about as clean as you are. If you throw crap down on the street, then, hey, that's the level we're operating at. If you, if you want to have a cleaner community, then don't put stuff on the street. Uh, you know, the community is about as loving as you are, kind as you are, generous as you are, for, forgiving as you are, and uh, enriched as you are. So, Let's get it on. Okay, so that's kind of, I just want to get that out there today. And because some people may have hooked on here and just say, hey, where'd this guy come from? What's he all about? Well, really, it's not very fancy. It's just, this is this is what we're doing. So uh, I wanted to give you a really, a couple important uh, events that are coming up uh, right away. Uh, and one of them is, you know, there's been a lot of discussion because people during COVID have, have, realized that though we have a constitution our elected officials have completely ignored it and they ignore it and they're proud about it they they're so arrogant that they just think hey well okay we ignored it or this is what we did so tough this is what we thought we should do 
And um, so there's been kind of a thirst and a hunger for to learn about the Constitution because they quit teaching it years and years and years ago. And even when they taught it when I was going to school back in the late 50s and early 60s, or through the 60s, um, there it, there was no real depth to it or enriching of the Constitution, the philosophical bent behind the Constitution. It was just kind of, okay, this says that, this says that. Memorize this, memorize that. Maybe it was you had to get it in college, you know? They, they went in depth more in college. But in high school, not so. But the cool thing is, today, like never before, you can go online, and you can go online to a number of, of really cool places. In fact, let me just, I hardly even mention this anymore. Let me just tell you some really amazing, like, I, I, I just, I could just spend the rest of my life on things like YouTube. It's <laughs> just like educating myself on every topic known to man. But if you're interested in the Constitution, let me give you, uh, I'm going to give you a, a, a class to come to right away. But I'm going to give you three um, connects here that will blow your mind. So one is Jake McCauley, who runs instituteontheconstitution.com, instituteontheconstitution.com. He does an online class, and uh, there's, he's got a partner there as well. And they, they're the ones that do this thing. They, they haven't been making them lately, but it used to be called the American View. And it was like a two-minute clip on the Constitution. And, and they would compare something that's going on in society with what the Constitution says. And the person I'm going to advertise for in just a minute is Chris Ann Hall, former prosecuting attorney of the state of Florida. Got, basically was going to get kicked out of her job if she spent time teaching the Constitution on her own dime. Chris Ann Hall is K-R-I-S and common spelling A-N-N-E Hall, H-A-L-L.com, ChrisAnnHall.com. She and her husband, J.C. Hall, uh, have done an amazing job of teaching the Constitution and not just what that line means, but where it came from and how, how we ended up with that whole concept. And she brings up some patriots that I had never heard of. When you hear her speak, she is quite the history teacher. And you just, I just, I love it when she teaches. Uh, my history teachers, uh, particularly in high school, were just kind of, this happened on this date, memorize that. Instances, it, it just, I was lost in history. Uh, Though I love it now. And so chrisannhall.com, you can get a, a hookup on her Facebook site. You can also take her course. And uh, so check it out. And then finally, Hillsdale College, uh, sorry, Hillsdale, Hills, H-I-L-L-S-D-A-L-E dot E-D-U, Hillsdale E-D-U. They have online all kinds of classes that are free. If you like biblical cat classes, they even have those. But they have uh, other classes as well, and they do a, a wonderful job on the Constitution, Hillsdale EDU. So I think Hillsdale's may not cost anything, and they just ask for a contribution every once in a while, which I, I donate to them anyway. They're one of the best colleges in the country. Don't take a nickel of government money, so they're totally independent. But Chris Ann Hall charged a little bit, Institute on the Constitution. Listen, learn the Constitution so when you stand up at school board meetings and stuff, you have your backbone. Uh, it's tied in tight. 
Uh, you know what you're talking about. You're dialed in. Um, okay, so that's just a, some some great resources. So I said all that to say this is coming up, which this is important. Sheriff Richard Mack, who's retired, started the California Peace Officers uh, Group, um, the Constitutional Sheriff's Group, and uh, they he, Richard Mack, and Chris Ann Hall are going to be up and down the Northern California Valley in a variety of places. But on April 1, from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., lunch included, they're going to be at Church of Glad Tidings. We're just voluntary. We're not running it. We're hosting it. They're just using our building. Uh, but it'll be great. We'll make sure it's great. It's 1179 Eager Road, Live Oak, California. It's actually just north of Yuba City. Postal code is Live Oak. 1179 Eager Road, Live Oak, Church of Glad Tidings. Listen, this is here's what it's for. Here's what it's described for. It's a one-day deal, one-day class, and it's designed for sheriffs, sheriff's deputies, law enforcement in general, like police, probation, anybody taking an oath, elected representatives, political people that take the oath, and citizens who want an understanding of the Constitution and the responsibilities of the oath of office. Now, there's a lot of movement right now and people being served papers because they violated their oath of office. And uh, so anyway, this, this course is going to be a one-day gig. Uh, so it's easy, no charge for parking, easy parking, very nice place to have a nice lunch together. You're going to meet some really cool people. Uh, you can register, they say, right now. And you can register at this website, Gorilla, G-O-R-I-L-L-A, like the animal, GorillaLearningInstitute.org, GorillaLearningInstitute.org. If you have trouble doing that or you don't have a device you can use to do that, you can call Jack Frost at 916-616-7962. And you can register and pay your money, and you just walk in, and we'll have coffee and probably some nice snacks in the morning, and you can just get into it. I've heard Chris Ann. I've, I've heard Richard Mack. They're both top-notch, and I'm, I'm hoping peace officers come. You know, in the police academy uh, that they teach out here at Yuba College and up here north of us in Butte College, a lot of the junior colleges have police academies my understanding is they do not teach in-depth constitution. They teach codes. They teach laws. They teach ethics. They teach, uh, you know, how to defend yourself. They Everything to be a cop on the beat. But they do not, my understanding is they do not go into uh, the constitution. So this is a huge uh, under, undergirder of uh, training that can benefit them so uh, i hope i hope we get a good contingency of those folks but citizens are also welcome uh, and i think everybody's going to get a lot out of it so put on by gorilla learning institute and the church of glad tidings so okay uh all right we're just getting down here to a minute or so left let's see also let me just mention uh we have a dinner coming up. They call it a Lincoln Day dinner. I call it the Lincoln Day dinner. It's put on by the Yuba County Republican Central Committee. They got that Central Committee all jacked up, new wheels, new paint. Uh, you know, they got the wet tires on it. So uh, they've had a really great year, and they're, they're going to do a fundraiser on the 26th of March. 
Uh, it's going to be at 5.30, starting at 5.30 at night at the Peachtree Golf Course <coughs> and Country Club, I guess, Peachtree Golf Course. And uh, it's it's a fundraiser. It's a straight-up fundraiser. It's a dinner and a big auction, and they're raising money to recruit candidates, uh, do voter registration, just carry on political activist work. And you can help them. There's you can you can that's fifty dollars for one person, but you can get a table. You can go wild. They have a secret speaker coming in. I think I got it figured out, but uh, so I've been I've been leaking it. I think it's Sleepy Joe Biden. I think it, he's gone he's gone so far over, overboard that he's no longer thinking Democrat. He's thinking Republican. So he may come and speak on behalf of the Central Committee. But uh, I could be wrong, but I'm thinking that's might might be what it is. I'll be I'll be right back. We're going to take a a break. We're going to take if you're new to this, we got five more segments, and then we are going to uh, we'll take a little break between. But let me I'll talk a little bit more about the Central Committee when we return. At last. Okay, the first dose is really just to loosen up the vein for the second dose so the NRA can get comfortable from the third shot. After the fourth dose, you feel protected but aren't. And once all the population has received the fifth dose, restrictions can be relaxed as the sixth stops the spread. However, the seventh dose vigorously disagrees with the sixth, reducing protection and calling for an emergency eighth dose which is really just a placebo, tricking the ninth and 10th shots. The 11th will clot the blood just in time for the 12th to declot. And since 13's an unlucky number, we shoot straight to the 14th to be safe. The clinical phase of the 15th confirms antibodies remain stable after the 16th injection. The shots 17 through 24 will be developed in record speed, so there's really no reason to go questioning the 25th jab. Now let's talk about boosters. The first seven are just to sort of warm up the body and welcome the eighth, kind of like a surprise party. The eighth booster getting so excited and knowing it has a whole lot of friends that care for it, it has a renewed confidence so that when it wanders around the body in style, it attracts new spike proteins. The ninth booster will come in and actually announce that it identifies as non-binary, confusing all the other doses and calling for a 10th booster shot to come in and explain that all boosters are not alike. Boosters 11 through 59 are basically so you're allowed to sit and eat a cheeseburger in a pub. Now let's move on to the super boosters. Sandra, an inconvenient minority. That is the name of a new book by our next guest and how author Kenny Hsu refers to Asian Americans. As an Asian American himself, Hsu explains how he's considered to be an inconvenient minority to the critical race theory narrative. Let's bring in author Kenny Hsu. He's also the president of Color Us United. Kenny, great to see you today. Uh, you said in an interview with foxnews.com, Asian Americans prove that critical race theory is not true, cannot be true. Make that case. Well, critical race theory asserts, and, and I talk about this in my book, An Inconvenient Minority, but critical race theory asserts 
that the world in America is divided into a racial caste system, whites on the top, blacks on the bottom, but they have no idea what to do with Asian Americans because Asian Americans are a minority. You know, they have been discriminated against in this country, and yet sure. they succeed and they achieve. And uh, that, that, I think, inconveniences the critical race theory narrative today, and that's why I wrote this book. You make the argument that if America is systemically racist, as many proponents of critical race theory believe, how is it that Asian Americans have flourished and in many cases overtaken whites in terms of level of education and socioeconomic status? So, so how is it? How is it that Asian Americans flourish in this country? It has to do with culture. You know, Asian Americans study twice as many hours as the average American. Today, we always talk about the Tiger Mother. You know, that was Amy Chua's fa uh, famous book. Um, but it's not just Tiger Mother parenting. It's also strong two-parent family structures. It's a strong value on education. It's a love for hard work and for meritocracy. And that's at stake with critical race theory because critical race theory is anti-meritocratic. It believes that merit is racist. So if policies like Harvard's discrimination against Asian Americans are allowed, guess who loses out? Well, it's the hardworking Asian Americans that work so hard to get their spot. Which brings me to my next point because we now see the emergence Harvard and other places of attempts to limit Asian American enrollment in some of these prestigious uh, educational institutions. That would appear to be the very definition of systemic racism, to, to limit the number of people who can get in on a merit-based program uh, in order to keep up levels of enrollment of other people. You know, I analyzed 90,000 pages of Harvard admissions data. And stretching back for 30 years, Asian Americans have been kept at a cap at admissions between 15 and 18 percent of the student body. That has only recently changed. And, you know, Harvard's own estimates said that if Asians were not discriminated against, they would be 43 percent of the student body. Now, people are saying, well, is that too many Asians? Well, I say I'm indignant at that claim. I'm indignant at the claim that Asians are all the same kind of person, they're all the same kind of faceless, test-taking robot with no personality. We have to look past race in this country. And I wrote this book, hopefully, to heal America and to bring Americans together in service of meritocracy. So I asked Vivek Ramaswamy this question yesterday, and, and let me ask you as well. Yeah. Have, you, have you personally experienced racism in this country? And, and what did you do to keep it in perspective? Well, I have to say, America has been very good to me. Um, yes, I've experienced racism, especially, you know, from the Ivy Leagues when they judge Asian Americans as low personalities, that's what Harvard does. Um, but you know what, America has been very good to me and America has been good to every person in every of this country. Uh, one of the things in my book that I talk about is this guy named Bin Vo, he's a Vietnamese American. Mm -hmm. He came to this country from Vietnam and he, um, and he was, the, with the instant he landed here, uh, you know, a police officer picked him up and sent him home. Uh, and he, that was an act of charity that he did not, he could not find in his home country. That's the goodness of America, and I want to highlight that. Interesting. Kenny Shu, the book is called An Inconvenient Minority. Thank you for joining us today. Good to see you. Appreciate it. What is worse or what is best? Yeah. Oh.
right, so Central Committee, everybody can play, everybody can benefit, everybody can enjoy themselves, and everybody can accomplish something. So I was at a militia meeting uh, where the Shasta militia came down and, and helped us launch a local militia in Yuba Sutter, and they were saying that you might think, oh, I had to be a veteran or I had to be in shape or I got to be this to participate in the militia. And they were saying that they were talking about this lady who, who was, a, was a single mom, and she was a little overweight, and I don't know what she did for a living, but she had administrative skills. And she said, you know, I, I really – they were advertising they're going to uh, do some camping with some boys, the militia was, and uh, teach them how to do some cool stuff. And she wanted her boy involved, but they recruited her to be a part of the militia. She said, how would I help the militia? Look, I'm totally out of shape. I can't do this, can't do that. And they said, oh, no, we need you. We need you. And so uh, just like the militia, we've been recruiting people for the, the militia here locally. And all kinds of people, housewives, uh, guys that are out of shape, uh, old timers, young timers. And we're recruiting them, and we use them in various capacities to be able to support our community and protect our community. And so same way with the Yuba County Republican Central Committee, you don't have to be on the committee and you don't have to be a board member. There's five spots for each supervisorial district, like five times five is 25. And uh, But you could just be a part of the group and, and labor with us, right? Help on the fundraisers. You can help raise money. If you hate raising money like me, uh, like I do, uh, you can... Uh, help get your friends to vote, register people to vote. Uh, you can educate people on the uh, different measures coming up in the, in the ballot here this year. Uh, you can do phone callings. You can pick out a candidate that you think, oh, I really like that candidate. I want to help her. I want to help him. And you could help. So it's it just getting you out and about and making a difference and you being salt and light out there. Are you, are you with me? All right. So, uh, so that's a Republican Central Committee, and they normally meet on the uh, let's see third Tuesday. Now they switched it to the third Tuesday for good reason um, each month. So at the Hallwood Church, they meet at two eight two five Highway twenty, and that's in Marysville. Oh, let me give you a phone number for both. Whether you want to, uh, if you like, if you want to buy a ticket. Right, you want to buy a table. They're also selling these tables with all kinds of spits. So let me give you the website because the website will probably tell you a lot about this. So yubacountyrcc.org, yubacountyrcc.org, or you can dial 530-777-52, sorry, 5021-777-5021. Hallwood Church, uh, 2825 Highway 20. It's right across from Cordova School. And it starts at 6.30 out there at the, at the uh, third Tuesday of each month. And um, the meeting starts at 7. They kind of have a little ha hangout at 6.30, and then they get down to business for a couple hours and, and uh, try to make a difference out in our community. We need more and more organizations that are working uh, to just improve our – prove us philosophically, uh, politically, uh, we got a lot of people working physically on the Say Love operation, uh, cleaning up the community, cleaning up garbage, painting out graffiti, all that kind of stuff. A lot of more, the more the better, right? The more the better. So, also, I want to mention I've, I've got some uh, these 18 by 24 inch no trespassing signs, free. They come free with stands, or you can just lean them in the front window like I do. Mine was so effective, my gardener quit coming. 
I got a guy that comes. I like to do yard work, but sometimes I just get busy. So I got a guy that comes and mows and blows when it looks bad. And uh, he quit coming. And I finally had to dial him up. He said, oh, I thought we just thought you left. <laughs> I put up a no trespassing sign. I said, no, I'm inside. I'm just holding holding on the fort here. So, uh, okay. So if you want any of these no trespassing signs, I, I don't have the time or money to mail them. But if you're around the area and you want, you just need to give me a text at 530-713-1838. Just give me your first name so I know what sticky note to put on them, and I'll stack them on the front porch uh, and uh, give you a shout-out when they're out there, and you can just swing in at your convenience. We don't need to shake hands or smile at each other. We can just get it done and move on. So, uh, all right. So let's see. Did I cover all this? I think I covered it on the uh, – yeah, this – you know, this uh, – constitutional class they're doing on april 1st and it's no joke uh they're wanting to talk about honoring the oath of office and they're going to have they're going to reach the areas they're going to reach is placer el dorado nevada sutter yuba butte sacramento yolo and san joaquin i'm not sure whether they're going to do one i know they're not going to do one in both yuba and sutter so not sure about the other ones but uh so that's the idea, is they're trying to equip sheriffs and police chiefs and law enforcement pl- people in in general about how to make a difference here. All right, let me get back to my right correct thing. Okay, here we go. All right, also want to mention uh, there's initiatives that are going to be on the ballot for uh, – the November ballot, there are a lot of measures, and, and those are pushed over to the November ballot. And one is California school school choice measure called the Education Freedom Act. And if you go to CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org, where I'm going right now, uh, it's a very nice website. And it says, sign the petition today. So it tells you we need to sign the petition and get it in. To get it on the ballot. It's not going to automatically be on the ballot. We need a, a million good signatures. So if you, whether you might be my age, I'm almost, almost 100, but I signed it because my money is going to these schools, not because I choose to. I might donate to schools. I donate to schools now, uh, like Hillsdale College. But if you're a property owner in the state of California, for instance, and it may be true in some other states, you are your money is taken from you and given to the schools, even if you're 150 years of age and, or you never had a child. So it's in your good interest to make sure the schools are doing well. And one way to do that, well, it may, you may be just a, a person that has their kid in a government schools and you're okay with that, fine. I'm just asking you to sign the petition to put it on the ballot. And it's not going to end public schools. What it's going to do is allow parents the freedom to pick the school of their choice and have their money that's been given by you and me have their money follow the student. So if they want to go to a private school or a charter school or a public school, government school, or a religious school, a Christian base or something based school, could be another base school other than Christian. As long as it's accredited school, they can take $14,000 and and pay their tuition now i have friends that pay for they pay for the government school because they have no choice and then they turn around take their kid out 
and uh, pay to have them in a private school. Now, it's interesting because I was talking to a lady at, uh, oh, was it after church or something? She was a th- over 30 or 40-year school teacher, beautiful person. And uh, so she was informing me, and I've read these statistics before. She said, Lou, I, I used to love to teach out at, I think it was Johnson Park out in the Oliverst area. And uh, she said, did you know that more than half all school teachers do not allow their children to be educated in the government school system? Is that new to you, new, new news, uh, new information? It, it wasn't for me, but I hadn't thought about it for a while. And I've read these statistics before that school teachers do not think that it's a good deal to put their own kids in public schools, and they are in them teaching. Think about that. That's like you being a chef and not and not wanting people to eat at the restaurant you're you're getting paid to cook at isn't that amazing so this says every child deserves a choice of the school they attend the education they receive we mean everyone and that is only possible with the education freedom act the educational freedom act it says more than 2 years into drafting the educational freedom act treats everyone in california equally parents of every child have the freedom to spend 14000 provided by the state of California to st- school of their choice, no matter how much money they make. So in other words, if you made it $14, if you make $14 a month or $14 million a month, you get the 14000 It's all about your kid going somewhere, and that money's set aside for them. It's going to be spent for them. So uh, anyway, there's a way that tells all about how to sign a petition or et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I won't spend any more time on that. I need to move along. There's always lots to talk about here. There's a lot going on, so I don't want to. You're smart. I'm just expecting you to go get it. I've been talking about the Apple Bistro up in Placer County, uh, El Dorado County in Placerville. It's on H- Highway 50 uh, in Placerville in El Dorado County. It's at 2740 Highway 50, Placerville. Now, why am I talking about it? I do talk about some businesses that help me. Apple Bistro isn't helping me financially. Apple Bistro is helping me because she's standing up for freedom. And that's a wonderful woman. I've talked to her on the phone before, Jeanette Waldo. And Jeanette Waldo isn't just being stubborn. She's fighting the fight, and she's going to court. And I believe tom- I believe tomorrow, which is going to be the day before this prod- bot- uh, prod- podcast uh, comes out, uh, she's going to be in court the day before on a Friday. This is coming out on the 19th. I think she has a Friday the 18th uh, uh, lawsuit going on, or they're suing her. She's They're suing each other. Anyway, They've shut. They've tried to shut her water off, shut down her ability to pull water out of the ground. She's got a well. They've shut down her point of purchase uh, equipment, which is her ability to use credit cards. They have taken away her health permit. This is unbelievable. This is in America, people. They have harassed her. They've had OSHA come in and harass her. They have every. Uh, they, she's had the alphabet soup of agencies come in and harass her. Who do you think's behind that? The supervisors. Just old Joe down the street that ran for supervisor. Now he's a Nazi. He's become a Nazi, and he is trying to destroy this woman's life and so uh, and, and ruin her business. She has a, a right to buy that property where she is, buy that business, or buy that building. She has, In other words, she's leasing with a right to buy, and now they're trying to push her out of the, her lease. Isn't this amazing? Just pressure, 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 right? 
So um, anyway, she's inviting people up Saturday, which is they're open seven days a week, five to five. But she said the sweet spot's kind of about 10 to 10 or 11 o'clock in the afternoon on. So she said, if you could come up there and just jam that place, it'll take to give them, give the fear of God to any government people if they want to come up and harass her. So going up there, take your cash and, or you could just probably take a check and leave a big extra check or you can mail her a check if you don't want to go up you think oh i don't have time to do that but i want to help uh you can mail up there to to the, what they call it the uh, apple bistro and uh let's see and you can mail it to 2740 highway 50 placerville california 95667 now it's interesting we just saw that the gofundme people now uh, are uh, consuming the money given to the truckers in Canada. And they decided, we don't like what you're going to use the money for, even though we made a profit on you using our platform. We're not going to give give the money to you. And then we got uh, Justin Fidel Castro's son, Trudeau. Um, he now is freezing funds and calling it domestic terrorism if say if i gave the truckers five hundred dollars they and i was a canadian up there they'd call me a domestic terrorist isn't that interesting that these nazis they're very terrorists are the ones in the government right it's just like when uh uh the county of yuba came after me for my comments about dr lou dr fong Joseph Mengele Lou. Now, they they threatened me and with a uh, they tried to do a uh, what do they call a restraining order to keep me from saying I was going to kill her or have or somebody ought to kill her. And I didn't actually say any of that, but they twisted my words. And they had a couple attorneys that I was paying for their fee plus taking care of my fees because they work for us, right? And. Uh, but in, isn't it interesting that they were after me with no evidence? They called me Asian racist in the documents five different times in the documents. Uh, even though I I was more Vietnamese than she is. And isn't it interesting that they were talking about I am going to take somebody's life, but they the government actually is killing people in Yuba and Sutter County uh, with the whole COVID procedure making people stay in their home, put a mask on their face. You wouldn't, you wouldn't give them proper medication. You gave them medication run disavir to kill them, put them on the vent to kill them. Uh, you uh, put ethyl ox oxide, ethylene oxide in their nose, which is cancer drug, cancer chemical. Uh, you put jabs in their arm, which is now causing myocarditis and cancer and clot clotting in the brain. And you're calling me somebody that's going to kill somebody. And you're actively killing somebody. And you're paying people. you got paying people like Harmony Health. Isn't that interesting? Harmony Health. And she goes out and, and, and makes your immune system unable to function by sticking some chemicals in your arm. Isn't it interesting how the government will attack you and label you with the thing that they are actually doing, which is killing millions of people. So attorney Rick Martin of the Constitutional Law Group said this about Apple Bistro. And this this uh, thing is posted, I guess, in the entry of her dining room. 
said you were in violation of your oath of office by trespassing unlawfully on the property of this business establishment and committing an uh, act of domestic terrorism under Section 802 of the Patriot Act. You were knowingly and willingly violating the rights of the business owner. You were no longer protected under judicial immunity and are now subject to being arrested and also sued in your private capacity. Finally says we will take everything you own and work for, including your freedom. Now, this week, this last week, in fact, I wrote an article. I don't know whether they'll post it. it it'll probably be posted in the next few days over at uh, Live with Lou about four citizens filing an action against the seven board members of the Marysville Joint Unified School District uh, Board of Trustees and also the superintendent, Fal Asrani, basically for, it, it's an amazing document, but violating their oath of office. I think I went over it last week, violating their oath of office. So they filed that, and I'm not sure where it's at right now, except for the fact that they had up until this past Wednesday, which would have been the 16th of February, to respond and uh, comply with the order uh, of that uh, Notice of intent. I call it a notice of intent. It's not a, a legal proceeding like a subpoena or a lawsuit. It's a notice of intent. And the notice of intent is if you do not comply and knock off this funny business with COVID and critical race theory and transgenderism and queerism and all that kind of not nonsense, we're going to file an action against your insurance company for criminal charges for criminally violating your oath of office. And we're going to, we're going to cash in at a million and a half a piece. And we're going to get a million and a half from every, every uh, trustee and from Fallis Ronnie times four. So that's going on. And, uh, but there's also uh, a lawsuit that is being filed or trying to get the attorney attorneys general of the 50 states, if it's if Obama's counting them, it's 58, but I say 50 states. Plus, now uh, county district attorneys are being filed with a, a document that laid out the charges against Anthony Fauci, Francis Collins, uh, Peter Daszak. Uh, uh, I can't remember the other guy. He's as Azar, who was a, you know, people thought he was a medical guy, but he's just a lobbyist for the ph big pharma that, Trump put in charge of this whole COVID campaign and uh, a guy named last name Azar, A-Z-A-R, and then Moderna and, and several others. So there was a, a complaint also written against all of them that uh, we submitted. Uh, I don't know, a few hundred people submitted that complaint at both attorney's offices, wherever they lived. So we had people in Butte County, Tehama County, Glen County, Sutter County, uh, Yuba County, file those at the district attorney's offices. So what's happening is that people are learning, even though they didn't get civics in high school, they're learning how to, in, under adversity, they're learning on the fast track and on the run how to, how to come against your elected representatives. You know, what do you do when they go sideways? And uh, in other words, yeah, well, maybe some of them you can vote out, but what shouldn't they be held account accountable? 
And just like the World War II ally victors felt, hey, we won the war, but it isn't enough. We need to have a trial and help people account accountable for crimes against humanity. And those are listed in the complaint against the trustees of Marysville Joint Unified School District and against uh, Fauci and the rest of them. So we're, we're going to break into our uh, third segment here in just a minute. So let's take a little break and then we'll be right back. When I was young, me and my mama had beef, 17 years old, kicked out on the streets. Though back at the time, I never thought I'd see a face. Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama's place. Suspended from school, I'm scared to go home. I was a fool with the big boys breaking all the rules. Shed tears with my baby sister. Over the years, we was poor than other little kids. And even though we had different daddies, the same drama when things went wrong, we blamed mama. I reminisce on the said to me, obviously not with the same persuasion as I was politically, called me and said, there's a dead dog on my lawn. And I said, yes, ma'am. I said, have you called the county? He said, yes, they're not here. And I said, well, I'll get them in the morning. She said, I want it removed now. I pay your salary. So I went over. I picked it up. She said, I want it out of my front yard. I put it on her doorstep. Um, what? <laughs> Lord Jesus, take the wheel. Lord Jesus, take the wheel. Moses, take the wheel. Abraham, take the wheel. I mean, Martin Luther King can take the wheel. Somebody take the wheel. What is this man talking about? What? Jill. Somebody get, hey, Jill Barton. Somebody get Jill. Tell Jill I'm looking for her. Jill, come get your husband. Come get your husband, Jill. This is why. Because he on stage talking about he didn't put a dead dog on somebody's porch, on somebody's doorstep. Come get your husband. And Jill, take that ugly dress off. You know you can't dress. Come and get your husband, Jill. It ain't working for him. Get this man some help. Oh, my goodness. A woman with a petition went among the crowds attending a state fair, asking people to sign her petition demanding the banning of dihydrogen monoxide. She said it was in our lakes and streams, and now it was in our sweat and urine and tears. She collected hundreds of signatures to ban dihydrogen monoxide, a fancy chemical name for water. A couple of comedians were behind this ploy, but there is nothing funny about its implications. It is one of the grim and dangerous signs of our times. This little episode revealed how conditioned we have become, responding like Pavlov's dog when we hear a certain sound, in this case the sound of some politically correct crusade. People are all born ignorant, but they are not born stupid. Much of the stupidity we see today is induced by our educational system, from the elementary schools to the universities. In a high-tech age that has seen the creation of artificial intelligence by computers, we are also seeing the creation of artificial stupidity by people who call themselves educators. Educational institutions created to pass on to the next generation the knowledge, experience, and culture of the generations that went before them have instead been turned into indoctrination centers to promote whatever notions, fashions, or ideologies happen to be in vogue among today's intelligentsia. 
Many conservatives have protested against the specifics of the things with which students are being indoctrinated. But that is not where the most lasting harm is done. Many, if not most, of the leading conservatives of our times were on the left in their youth. These have included Milton Friedman, Ronald Reagan, and the whole neoconservative movement. The experiences of life can help people outgrow whatever they were indoctrinated with. What may persist, however, is the lazy habit of hearing one side of an issue and being galvanized into action without hearing the other side, and more fundamentally, not having developed any mental skills that would enable you to systematically test one set of beliefs against another. It was once the proud declaration of many educators that we are here to teach you how to think, not what to think. But far too many of our teachers and professors today are teaching their students what to think about everything from global warming to the new trinity of race, class, and gender. Even if all the conclusions with which they indoctrinate their students were 100% correct, that would still not be equipping students with the mental skills to weigh opposing views for themselves in order to be prepared for new and unforeseeable issues that will arise over their lifetimes after they leave the schools and colleges. Many of today's educators not only supply students with conclusions, they promote the idea that students should spring into action because of these prepackaged conclusions. In other words, vent their feelings and go galloping off on crusades, without either a knowledge of what is said by those on the other side or the intellectual discipline to know how to analyze opposing arguments. When we see children in elementary schools out carrying signs in demonstrations, we are seeing the kind of mindless groupthink that causes adults to sign petitions they don't understand or, worse yet, follow leaders they don't understand, whether to the White House, the Kremlin, or Jonestown. A philosopher once said that the most important knowledge is knowledge of one's own ignorance. That is the knowledge that too many of our schools and colleges are failing to teach our young people. It takes a certain amount of knowledge just to understand the extent of one's own ignorance. But our educators have given assignments to children not yet a decade old to write letters to members of Congress or to presidents spouting off on issues ranging from nuclear weapons to medical care. Will Rogers once said that it was not ignorance that was so bad, but all the things we know that ain't so. But our classroom indoctrinators are getting students to think that they know after hearing only one side of an issue. It is artificial stupidity. Welcome back to our third segment, and uh, I want to read a couple of clips. I got my Range magazine in the mail today, or maybe it was this week. It's called Range, the Cowboy Spirit on America's Outback. Now, if you want to get a great magazine, or if you, you know how you, you kind of want to get a gift for somebody and you don't know what to give them? You should order them Range magazine. I gave a bunch of gifts, gifts of this to people. It comes out every other month. It's just a blockbuster magazine. It is awesome. And uh, it's been around for a long time. They got a great editor. And uh, so I've given some gifts of this out. And I've 
I give donations to them to keep the magazine going. And so let me read you a couple of clips. They have in the front of it, in the front, I don't know, it's about four pages in. It says, Amazing Facts and Quotes. And I just love them. Um, so I've read this one before, but it suits the times we're in. It's a Winston Churchill quote. And he said, If you will not fight for right when you can easily win without bloodshed, if you will not fight when your victory is sure and not too costly, you may come to the moment when you will have to fight with all the odds against you and only a precarious chance of survival. There may e even be a worse case. You may have to fight when there is no hope of victory because is it, better, it is better to perish than to live as slaves. Isn't that amazing? Let me read this. This is by Benjamin Carson, uh, the brain surgeon, and was the 17th U.S. Secretary of HUD for President Trump. It says, we've been conditioned to think that only politicians can solve our problems. But at some point, maybe we will wake up and recognize that it was the politicians who created our problems. This, this is, uh, in fact, this is... Uh, this is touching on the local controversy of the Yuba and Sutter County supervisors. Rob, you know, taxes are, there was a couple of brothers, uh, the Bartholomew brothers that a number of years ago painted or wrote on a large banner. Taxes are theft or tax taxation is theft, something like that. But somebody reminded me the other day it's worse than theft. Theft is when somebody just drive walking by your house and your your kid's bicycle's laying in the lawn and you're not out there. Maybe you're out out back having a tuna sandwich with your son, and somebody walks by and just picks your bike up and drives on down the road. He, that's called a theft. That's not robbery. Robbery is when somebody comes in and by force takes something of yours. That's what taxes are. Because if I don't pay my house taxes, they're going to put a lien on my property. And I can go on and on and on about it. if I don't pay this fee, I don't pay that fee, I don't do this, they'll take my car, they'll do this, they won't let me drive on the streets, whatever. So, uh, so what's happening right now is the boards of supervisors have been giving a large amount of money, thousands and thousands of dollars, to the Yuba, Yuba Sutter Arts Center or Arts Council. And uh, that's a nonprofit. And so it gets also charitable donations and it gets uh, ticket sales at some of their events. So that's good. You know, I mean, arts, arts fun, arts cool, arts important part of society. But that doesn't mean that the federal or that the state or the federal or the county government should should give our money for it. My feeling is that the boards of supervisors, there's 10, uh, 10 representatives there. If they want to individually come out of their own pocket and give to the the arts council, whatever you want to call it, then great. That's perfect. I give to a lot of things myself. I don't ask anybody else to do it. I don't force anybody else to support any of the projects I'm working on. I don't force them by gun. But the government of Yuba County in Sutter County is forcing people by for using a gun and threat to take away their possessions that they have to give money to Sutter County and Yuba County and then they turn around and give it to a nonprofit. That is evil. 
And uh, in, in Sutter County, it was like a uh, it was a love fest between uh, the head of the Yuba Sutter Arts Council and the supervisors. Just they're all back slapping, uh, get, not giving away their own money. You know, charity only works when you give away your own money to help someone. Not when you reach into my pocket and give my money to somebody. So James Madison, known as the founder of the Constitution, said, I cannot undertake to lay my finger on that article of the Constitution which granted a right to Congress of expending on objects of benevolence the money of their constituents. Now, there was num- there's, it isn't hard to find instances where people had a great idea to take the people of the United States money that they'd taken by force, and instead of using it on the military or to build a road or something, they took it and they were going to use it for some good cause. The United States government was not ever supposed to be a collector of money so they could determine what a good cause would be for you and me. That was for you and I to de- to discover and spend on our own, out of our own pocket. And so now these guys have gotten used to, these supervisors have gotten used to just dishing out money and feeling just so good. They feel good, like we're blessing, we're blessing the Arts Council, baby. We're like all, we're all like super duper into music and art and painting. <laughs> but they are not giving their own money. They're giving my money and your money. They're doing, they're, they're being charitable with somebody else's money. That's just like somebody going in and robbing an AM PM and then going out and handing candy bars out and those heart attack hot dogs to all the homeless on the street and say, Hey, I robbed that store down there, but I'm, I'm blessing people with it. I'm helping the community. I'm helping the community be healthier by feeding them. And so the supervisors go out and say, oh, well, we think that the people of the community need this. We need the Arts Council because we're just going to be barbarians if we don't have the Arts Council. So therefore, we're going to we're going to, you know, it's like take reaching into your kid's piggy bank and buying him a shirt, (laughs) the kid out of his kid's own savings. When you're a parent, you're supposed to pop for the shirts. It's just a total ripoff. So I'm going to play you a clip right now. And it's a clip by uh, uh, a guy named Jocko Willink. And Jocko was a Navy SEAL. I guess maybe once in all, once you're a Navy SEAL, you never are not one. He's, he's a, a live Navy SEAL. And a lot of us have heard a, a certain part of a quote from Patrick Henry, but he's going to give you the entire context of that quote. And I, uh, Santos found it and sent it over to me and I'm, I'm going to play it. It takes a little over almost five minutes, but I think you're going to get a kick out of it. This is, this is the, I want you to think of the setting that Jocko was talking about in, in the 1700s. This is on March 23, 1775. Think of the, the trauma and the, the tension and the push and the pull between the king of England and the United States, or the colonies, we call them back then, 13 colonies, and the difficulties and the arguments and uh, 
money being taken from them and used in ways they didn't want, their taxes being spent in ways that they didn't want and they didn't have any say in it, the same issues Patrick Henry is talking about, if you listen closely with what we're talking about right now with things like the Yuba Sutter Arts Council. And uh, they turned around and just said, we're going to give you all the money and we're going to like double down, baby, because all these people are protesting. Do you know, by the way, that the Yuba Sutter Arts Council will not, even though your money's taken by force by you and Sutter counties and given the Arts Council, you can't attend it unless you're going to take the jab or you go get a new PCR test within 72 hours or you wear a mask that only they permit. In other words, any old mask won't do. So this is Jocko Willink. This is the first time and maybe the only time you'll ever hear this speech by Patrick Henry. Uh, but Jocko is, is uh, he ain't playing. So we're going to listen to that right now. And we'll be back in just a few minutes. Finish up this segment. Let us not, I beseech you, deceive ourselves. We have done everything that could be done to avert the storm which is now coming on. We have petitioned. We have remonstrated. We have supplicated. We have prostrated ourselves before the throne and have implored its interposition to arrest the tyrannical hands of the ministry and parliament. But our petitions have been slighted. Our remonstrances have produced additional violence and insult. Our supplications have been disregarded, and we have been spurned with contempt from the foot of the throne. In vain. After these things, may we indulge in fond hope of peace and reconciliation? There is no longer any room for hope. If we wish to be free, we must fight. I repeat it, sir, we must fight. An appeal to arms and to the God of hosts is all that is left us. They tell us that we are weak, unable to cope with so formidable an adversary. But when shall we be stronger? Will it be the next week or the next year? Will it be when we are totally disarmed and when a British guard shall be stationed in every house? Shall we gather strength by irresolution and inaction? Shall we acquire the means of effectual resistance by lying supinely on our backs and hugging the delusive phantom of hope until our enemies shall have us bound hand and foot. Sir, we are not weak if we make a proper use of those means which the God of nature hath placed in our power. The millions of people armed in the holy cause of liberty and in such a country as that which we possess are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us. Besides, sir, 
We shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations and who will raise up friends to fight our battles with us. The battle, sir, is not to the strong alone. It is to the vigilant, the active, the brave. There is no retreat but in submission and slavery. Our chains are forged. The war is inevitable and let it come. I repeat it, sir, let it come. It is in vain, sir, to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war has actually begun. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it that we gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, Give me liberty, or give me death. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that. I'm going to uh, do one more quote here for you that uh, I loved. You know, Rand Paul, uh, senator, United States senator from Kentucky. Rand Paul is the son of Ron Paul. Ron Paul used to be, uh, he served in Congress, I believe, from the senator of tech, uh, the uh, state of Texas. But Rand Paul uh, made his living and still makes his living as an ophthalmologist. That's a eye doctor. But, uh, you know, a lot of times we think of optom optometrists. That's they care for the eye, but they prescribe glasses and things. Ophthalmologists are actually medical doctors that specialize in the, specialize in the work of the eye. So he does a lot of work uh, operating on the eye. And he said he's been in an ongoing fight with Fauci. You know, we have, we have some doctors, medical doctors, that are serving in the United States uh, Congress, Senate, and Assembly. And so he has been having an ongoing argument with Dr. Fauci. And uh, he says, Let not, let's not live in fear because Dr. Fauci is promulgating things that are unscientific just to scare you. If you've been vaccinated or you've had the disease, live your life, says Rand Paul, and ignore this man, and let's hope he can be gone as soon as possible. Now, the, I was saying the same thing about Dr. Fong, Mike uh, Joseph, uh, Mengele Lu. Let's hope that she be gone as soon as possible. I've, I've worked with some really gnarly people. I have friends that have done just about everything that's listed in the Bible bad, everything. So I don't, I think there's second chances for anybody, even Dr. Mengele Lu, even though she's a killer. She's murdering our, our people. And I, I actually, now we've had people that have died that I know personally, both here and overseas in Vietnam and Cambodia because they took the jab.
and I'm not happy about it. And if you are happy about your friends dying, there's something wrong with you. That just ain't right. Just think, oh, no big deal. People come to pass. It's interesting to me how the government is not interested in why people are dying right now all of a sudden. And they, they, oh, they don't see any connectivity or any nexus between people dying right after the jab. But they didn't have any trouble believing a totally fraudulent PCR test and counting any death in our Yuba Sutter area as a COVID death when it was totally uh, a lie, a complete fabrication and a lie. And we're talking, we're not talking about just some service, service station attendant lying. We're talking about the top people in our community people. We're talking about the county health officer. I call her the death officer. We're talking about the sheriff complicit. We're talking about supervisors complicit. Oh, well, we didn't do it. Yeah, they funded it. They, they hired the woman and funded it, and they haven't stood in her way any. Complicit. We have two county health officers, county, uh, sorry, county administrative officers, CAOs, Steve Smith and now Kevin Mallon. Kevin didn't hire her. His predecessor did, but they're going along with it. Rand Paul is saying, I'll be glad. Hopefully, hopefully he's gone soon. What's that mean? Dead? Hopefully. That's what he's saying. He could be fired. He could be dead. Could He could resign. He could be put in jail. He's just saying, hopefully he's gone soon. Somehow. You ever wondered that about a people? People are just causing you all kinds of, I wish a person would just drop dead. Certainly Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Nazi Germany did that. He was a leading theo- one of the leading theologians in Germany. He thought, oh, you mean a Christian guy wanted Hitler dead? You know, it's interesting how we're so hypocritical. We're just, most of the time, human beings are totally hypocritical. Oh, how dare you say that, right? And then we have one of the top theologians in the world at that time, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. People praise him, praise him. Since I became a Christian, I didn't even know his name before that. People praise him, praise him, praise him for 50 years, make movies about him, write, publish his books, right? And he was involved in a plot to kill Hitler to save the country. We do that all the time. Our military's killing people all the time. They're doing assassinations on people all the time. And you don't lose any sleep over it. And we, we got people like, uh, what's her name? Oh, uh, Crystal. I call her uh, Joseph Goebbels, the, the, the Nazi propaganda guy. Her, la- her last name, let's see, Crystal Joseph Goebbels Martin. Smart marketing. Let me tell you what's smart about it. Let me, let me ask you what's worse. A guy gets in an argument with somebody and shoots him and kills him. Or a gal makes a lot of money for convincing Mexican people to, to take the jab that's going to kill them. Who's worse? The person that deceives the Mexicans? And a and hundred, hundred of them get myocarditis, cancers. Women get cancers of the uterus. Men get cancers of the testicles. Uh, What's worse? One kid 
gets angry at another kid and shoots him, kills him, or somebody that's killing people by the box full. It's amazing how we slice and dice and, and judge things and put people behind bars and let all these people go that they kill hundreds of people, kill thousands of people, big pharma killing thousands of people. Nobody held accountable. We'll be right back. If you truly mean that, you would end the mask requirement tonight. Tonight. This is not March 2020 anymore. We have three vaccines. Every adult in the state of Georgia that wants that vaccine is eligible to get it right now. And every one of us knows that young children are not affected by this virus. They're not. And that's a blessing. But as the adults, what have we done with that blessing? We've shoved it to the side and we've said, we don't care. You're still going to wear a mask on your face every day, five and six-year-olds. You still can't play together on the playground like normal children, seven and eight-year-olds. We don't care. We're still going to force you to carry a burden that was never yours to carry. Shame on us. My six-year-old looks at me every month before I come here. She says, are you going to tell them tonight? Tell them I don't want to wear this anymore. And I say, baby, it's not time to fight that battle yet. I try to explain that there's so many things. But it's April 15th, 2021, and it's time. Take these masks off of my child. And I know what I'm going to be met with. But Ms. Taylor, the CDC, we did not vote for people at the CDC. We did elect leaders who do create policy. We elected the five of you. We chose you to make difficult decisions for our children. We chose you to make decisions that would be in our children's best interest and forcing five, six, seven, eight, and nine-year-old little children to cover their noses and their mouths where they breathe for seven hours a day, every day for the last nine months for a virus that you know doesn't affect them. That is not in their best interest. And this has to stop. Defend our children. My six-year-old can't come up here and say this. It has to stop. Take these off of our children. Adam, thanks so much for coming on. It's, I'm not in any way doubting your story, but it's, I mean, I used to work in magazines. I've never heard of anything like that. It, it, did I misstate what happened? Well, no, you were spot on, Tucker. Clearly, Forbes editors did not want our oversight of Dr. Anthony Fauci's finances on the website. And so after eight years, 206 columns, I estimate I wrote a quarter million words on investigations on the Forbes platform, my column was canceled. So uh, here's how it worked. Uh, the National Institutes of Health, top six top executives, wrote an email to myself and Randall Lane, the top content officer at Forbes. It was couched as a corrections email, but the corrections, there was basically no substantial corrections, and they quibbled about small things in my column. But that was the excuse that Forbes used to cancel the column. And it was this Randall Lane character who's like posing as an editor. He's the one who made this decision. So 
here's how it went. After that email, within 24 hours, I received a phone call from my editor at Forbes that I was barred from publishing on Anthony Fauci any longer. Now, keep in mind, our oversight was tip of the spear with Anthony Fauci. A year ago, we were the ones that published that he was the most highly compensated federal employee. That column has 900,000 views. We published the fact that his household net worth rivaled $11 million, and in 2020, his household earnings, that uh, Anthony uh, Fauci and his wife made $1.7 million. Many people don't know that Anthony Fauci's wife, Christine Grady, is the chief bioethicist at the National Institutes of Health. She makes more than the vice president, north of 235000 Anthony Fauci makes more than the president at 456000 So if you take their salaries, tack on the taxpayer-paid cost of federal benefits at 30%, the two Fauci's, their household income paid for by taxpayers every year is nine hundred. Okay, you described the whole point of journalism is to tell people what their government, which they pay for, which claims to represent them, is actually doing. And Randall Lane, the kid in the hat, and the rest of, you know, of the butt kissers at Forbes shut you down. I, I just, I think it's a shocking story. I really do. So what we have today is uh, all over the world, humanity is withdrawing their support of the tyranny all over the world from mothers standing up at school board meetings, guys driving thousands of miles to protest. Here's what's spreading across the world. A realization is that government has failed the people. They, they, they've been punked, just like Bernie Madoff punked all these people and took their retirement. He deceived them. Charles Ponzi deceived his investors. The government has deceived people. The government, I'm talking about the, yeah, federal government, Yuba, Sutter counties, where I live. They deceived the people. They put a gal on YouTube, Joseph Mengele Fong Lu putting pressure on people, threatening people, telling they're bad people. It's always a scam. It was a scam. Fair. It was a fear gig. The government failed the people. Not just a couple people, the whole damn government. Corporations murdered people for profit. We're talking about big pharma, baby. Murder. They've been murdering people for profit. If you think that Big Pharma is in, into caring about your health, you know that Big Pharma for the last 100 years, the estimate is that they have controlled the United States government. And they are cutting senators and congressmen in on the profits. Doctors, hospitals, and medical systems have betrayed the American people. Big tech platforms have silenced the truth costing millions of lives none of these people care a bit old doctors care we got i got a i got a doctor that i went to for a heart checkup before i had surgery 
he comes out and says with a bunch of other doctors here to support doctor, the doctor of death, that the, that the uh, vaccines are safe and effective and well-tested. You're kidding me. That is, that is being bought and paid for by Big Pharma in a big way. Big media was complicit in the pandemic all the way along and the vaccine bio-war against humanity. They supported it all the way and lied, 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 lied. The institution of science deceived our people and proved it is hopelessly, that it is hopelessly corrupt and unredeemable science. Where are you going to go now with these science deals? Who's getting the grants? What we've seen is a war being waged against truth and humanity, a scam portrayed on the whole on the whole earth. The message is clear. You try to put clots in our blood, and we'll put traffic clots across your cities. We will stop this country in its tracks until you leave office. There were four citizens that went into the Marysville Joint Unified School District meeting the other night, and one of the one of the uh, trustees got so irate and so indignant, and he was so full of himself when the guy said, "You've been served," and he's walking across the dais there and put it on in front of him. He swept his hand and knocked it down on the floor in disrespect. Those are the kind of people we have in office, people. They all don't do that exactly, but that's what they're thinking. To hell with you. I've uh, We've got people on quote. They didn't know their mic was on calling a business, co- a company trying to sort out their business issues, trying to get their permits squared away and come from the board of supervisors. And they call them effers. They didn't think they could hear them. Listen, people, these are not nice people, these 10 people that are serving on the Board of Supervisors. They are not. They are ripoffs. And they have ripped off their fellow constituents that they probably got donations from, kicked them to the curb, screwed their businesses over, screwed up their lives, caused some people to relapse, whether it's mental health relapse or or, uh, drugs and alcohol, caused kids to kill themselves, cause kids to lose a couple years out of their lives and school and the cultural beauty of being that age and playing sports and competing and doing being drama. They just ruined their lives for two years. Just said to screw you stay home and everybody. Now they're going to say, Oh, well, we'll just go on. It's all over. Yeah. We remember that member COVID like Y2K. Oh yeah. Yeah. We remember it. I had a lady that listens from uh, used to live here, and she lives in uh, Tampa, Florida. And she said, "You know what I like about? I saw her recently. She came up for a funeral. A mutual friend of ours died, and we were at the follow up uh, after the funeral. And so we were having a little bit to eat together. And uh, she said, "You know what I like about the the show you do is uh, my teenager listens to some of the clips." because he doesn't get that kind of information in school. So I'm going to play a couple of clips today. This is a, this is a, a, a writing of Thomas Sowell. It, I don't know that it's him talking. There may be somebody else talking, but I can't remember what, 
the speaker. It's called Fact of, Facts About Slavery uh, Never Mentioned in School. Okay? Facts About Slavery Never Mentioned. So we're going to play that right now, and then I'll, we got plenty of time. we got more in this segment to go. Okay? We'll be right back. The instrumental use of the history of slavery today also underlies the claim that slavery grew out of racism. For most of its long history, which includes most of the history of the human race, slavery was largely not the enslavement of racially different people, for the simple reason that only in recent centuries has either the technology or the wealth existed to go to another continent to get slaves and transport them en masse across an ocean. People were enslaved because they were vulnerable, not because of how they looked. The peoples of the Balkans were enslaved by fellow Europeans, as well as by the peoples of the Middle East, for at least six centuries before the first African was brought to the Western Hemisphere. Before the modern era, by and large, Europeans enslaved other Europeans, Asians enslaved other Asians, Africans enslaved other Africans, and the indigenous peoples of the Western Hemisphere enslaved other indigenous peoples of the Western Hemisphere. Slavery was not based on race, much less on theories about race. Only relatively late in history did enslavement across racial lines occur on such a scale as to promote an ideology of racism that outlasted the institution of slavery itself. Wherever a separate people were enslaved, they were disdained or despised, whether they were different by country, religion, caste, race, or tribe. In East Africa, the Maasai were feared slave raiders, and other African tribes, either alone or in conjunction with Arabs, enslaved their more vulnerable neighbors. As late as 1891, it was reported that Manuema slavers had demoralized surrounding tribes, destroying crops, and famine reigned everywhere. Even in the early 20th century, Abyssinians were still raiding other Africans and carrying off slaves. It was 1922 before the British had gained sufficient control in Tanganyika to stamp out slavery there. Arabs were the leading slave raiders in East Africa, ranging over an area larger than all of Europe. The total number of slaves exported from East Africa during the 19th century has been estimated to be at least 2 million. The form in which the story of slavery has reached most people today has been along the lines of the best-selling book and widely watched television miniseries, Roots, by Alex Haley. Challenged on the historical accuracy of Roots, Haley said, I tried to give my people a myth to live by. This instrumental use of history, or purported history, is open to the same objections as other instrumental myth-making. Despite the impression created by Roots, during the era of the massive slave trade from West Africa, a white man was more likely to catch malaria in Africa than to catch slaves himself. The average life expectancy of a white man in the interior of sub-Saharan Africa at that time was less than one year. By and large, men from Europe or the Western Hemisphere came to the coasts of Africa, bought their slaves, and left as soon as possible. Even so, the death rates among the white crews of the ships carrying slaves to the Western Hemisphere were as high as the death rates among the slaves themselves. It was only much later, after quinine and other medical measures enabled Europeans to survive where there were tropical diseases, was it possible for them to invade Africa in force and establish empires there. But by then, the Atlantic slave trade had already been ended. 
During the era of that trade, Africa was largely ruled by Africans who established the conditions under which slave sales took place. The crew of a slave ship was in no position to defy African rulers and their armies by going out across the land and capturing people willy-nilly. The stronger African peoples captured and enslaved the weaker peoples. The same pattern found over the centuries in Europe, Asia, the Western Hemisphere, and Polynesia. In Yasaland, the Ngoni and Yao swaggered over and terrorized other tribes. In Uganda, the Baganda made life miserable for their neighbors, and the Nioro and Hima of Anko enslaved Toro women and children. The Tutsi dominated the Hutu in Rwanda, the Maasai lorded it over the Kikuyu and Kamba, and the latter, in turn, held the Indorobo in a kind of serfdom. It was precisely the fact that Europeans, except for the Portuguese, seldom participated in the raids that captured and enslaved Africans that enabled most people in Europe and the Americas to remain oblivious to the traumatic experience that this was, with some Africans committing suicide to avoid capture and wives being whipped as they tried to cling to their husbands or children. Historian David Brian Davis pointed out that Europeans had little contact with the actual process of enslavement, and that, as late as 1721, the Royal African Company asked its agents to investigate the modes of enslavement in the interior. Europeans typically saw only the end results, enslaved people being offered for sale on the coast. It was much the same story in the Ottoman Empire, where those who bought slaves had no idea what these slaves had been through before. The unique position of the Western world in the history, and especially the destruction of slavery, need not imply that there was unanimity within the West on this institution. In addition to whites who defended the enslavement of Africans on racial grounds, or who opposed general emancipation on social grounds, there were many whites, and even blacks, who defended slavery as a matter of self-interest as slave owners. Although most black owners of slaves in the United States were only nominal owners of members of their own families, there were thousands of other blacks in the antebellum South who were commercial slave owners, just like their white counterparts. An estimated one-third of the free persons of color in New Orleans were slave owners, and thousands of these slave owners volunteered to fight for the Confederacy during the Civil War. Black slave owners were even more common in the Caribbean. In short, there were many defenders of slavery in the West, even in the 19th century. And outside the West, slavery was too widely accepted to require defense. No other nation ended slavery in the same way as the United States did, and few ended it after so short a struggle, as history is measured. How and why did slavery end in most of the world? There were two major processes. Over the centuries, as more and more territories around the world consolidated into nation-states with their own armies and navies, raiding those territories to capture and enslave the people who lived within them became more hazardous in itself and also risked military retaliation against the countries from which the raiders came. Thus, more and more peoples became off-limits to slave raiders over time. Put differently, the areas which remained subject to slave raiding over the centuries were primarily those where the people lived in smaller or weaker societies. Such societies continued to exist where it was difficult, for geographic or other reasons, to consolidate large areas under one government. 
This was true of the Balkans, the backwaters of Asia, and much of sub-Saharan Africa. By the early modern era, sub-Saharan Africa, with its numerous and severe geographic handicaps, was one of the last remaining areas from which vast numbers of people could be enslaved. All right, I hope that was uh, informative for you. I know uh, every time I listen to a Tom Soule uh, reading, either him talking or him uh, having his book read, uh, it's an eye-opener for me. So uh, I got a call. I, I get calls from the show here uh, as a result of some of the ads we do, and one of them is an ad I do regarding helping people with addiction. And so I got a call from a lady in Sacramento, and I said, "Well, how did you get? How did you hear about me?" And she said, "Well, my landlord told me about you." And I said, "Well, where's your landlord? Where's he?" And I guess he's down in Sacramento, and he listens to the show, and uh, I don't know which one he listens to. Oh, by the way, if you guys, any of you guys out in another state, if you want to listen to the live show, <clears throat> you can listen uh, by going to live365.com, uh, L-I-B-E-365.com, and click on radio, and then just put in the call letters KMYC if you want to listen on Saturday mornings, 10 o'clock, left coast time. We go 10 to 1. Uh, so anyway, this lady says, my landlord told me, and he listens to your show So down in Sacramento. But the cool thing is that, that they uh, called because her, her boy had been in a lot of pain, and like a lot of people get addicted by using pain pills uh, from an accident, or the boy had been in an accident, and he, then he ended up getting shot six times and uh, survived. But he has uh, had huge addiction problems, and so she called. So it's pretty cool. So uh, anyway, for you out there that uh, know people uh, and you don't think there's any help out there for them, there's a lot of help out there for them. And if you'll get them to call us, we, we like them to call us as opposed to another person. Um, and they can call Peachtree Health, which is 530-749-3242, 749 and ask for Dr. Cassidy, and, and then just let them know the purpose of your call, if they ask, is that you have addiction issues. And uh, so Joe Cassidy is a specialist in that, been doing that for over 30 years, and uh, used to do it for jail inmates, and then now just on in private sector. So uh, if, if there's a problem getting through there, if you, you're waiting on the line, waiting on line, can't get through, can't get through, or they, they seem, oh, maybe misinformed front-end person, they you know, they don't have time or Dr. Cassidy's too busy. Anyway, I'm going to give you his number to text, not call text. You got don't blow up his phone. Don't call, call, call and just keep calling. Just text once and then he'll call you back. 530-682-8648. 530-682-8648. You may be whacked on whatever you're using, but don't be treating us that way. 682-8648 or if all else fails, just dial me up 24 hours a day. You can dial me, talk to me, or you can text me, and I'll be dialing you back at 530-713-1838. Very easy. We make it easy. Not The shoe doesn't fit everybody. we got a lot of different options for people that are having addiction issues. So, And we want to make sure we check over your entire health. I'm not a doctor, but I'm a logistics guy. Just make things happen and get things uh, to go into the right hole in the corner of the uh, the billiards table just get in the right spot so okay 
So uh, the the other person I ran into, I had just had a conversation a couple hours ago because Ted Holmes with the plumbing doctor, he also does contracting. We do a lot of missions work around the world. We built orphanages, worked, we rebuilt hospitals after a vol- volcano took them over. Over in the Congo, we've done stuff in Papua New Guinea, Honduras, radio station, Sinaloa State in uh, Mexico for for uh, tra- language translation. He, Ted Holmes is uh, a renaissance guy. And so uh, anyway, called to we're going to put together a work crew here in a, a week or so on the 612 E Street. And and uh, so he gave me a shout. He's coordinating it for us. And uh, so anyway, he runs a plumbing doctor. And if you if you everybody needs a plumber, I mean, unless you just let things go. Some people let things go. I don't I don't want I live in Marysville. If there's a drip of water, I can hear drop anywhere. I know it's 50 cents. So it's just like, ah, it's so expensive here with water. It's like they're robbing you drip by drip. And uh, so the plumbing doctor can can one day they came in here and they said, Lou, for goodness sakes, these toilets are 100 years old. Let's change them out and, and we'll just use just a little bit of water. And uh, so we switched and did that and uh, saved me all kinds of money and made my toilets work better and the whole thing. So uh, you can reach him 24 hours a day at 530-671-9111, 530-671-9111. We're going to take a break, and we're coming back for our fifth segment. We have five and six to go yet. We'll be right back. But you and I, we've been through that And this is not our fate. So let us start talking falsely now. But I was getting late. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Sometimes people let their guard down and expose the evil in their hearts. Chameth Palihapitiya, a part owner of the Golden State Warriors basketball team, shared his true feelings regarding the genocide being waged by China against the Uyghur Muslim population. Genocide recognized by several nations. A guest on Chameth's podcast brought up the tragic situation and the billionaire responded. Let's be honest. Nobody cares about what's happening to the Uyghurs. Reacting to the dismay of his guest, Chameth added, Of all the things I care about, yes, it is below my line. This cold-hearted individual has collectively given over a million dollars to Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, and the Democrat Party. Let's see if they distance themselves from him and return the money. Like us on Facebook at Life Issues and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. But Justin Trudeau, I mean, I thought he was kind of a cool guy. I mean, I started to read what he, he said. This is a couple of weeks ago. He was, or maybe this is September, but he was talking about people who are not vaccinated. He said they don't believe in science. They're often misogynistic, often racist. No, they're mm, not. That was not that, smart of him at all. Right. He said, but they take up space. Mm. And with that, we have to make a choice in terms of a leader as a country. Do we tolerate these people? It's like, tolerate these? Now you do sound like Hitler. Mm -hmm. Uh, And recently he talked about them holding holding unacceptable views. Wow. I'm surprised to hear that Trudeau said those things. You didn't see the blackface? I mean, he... (laughs) Hello. 
I am Justin Trudeau. Oh, we've got the wrong flag. Yeah, we can't. We need the one with the maple leaf. Yeah, this is the maple leaf. Again, this is the wrong background. I, the maple leaf. Get the maple leaf flag. That's better, yes. Bonjour. I am Justin Trudeau. You might not recognize me without my black face on. I do love a good black face. But I took it off before I came here today. Um, I shouldn't be sharing this. Uh, let's just, can we start over? Okay, here we go. I am Justin Trudeau. And I talk in a soft voice, so you don't really know that I am, in fact, a raging radical tyrant. I'm full-blown, full-blown tyrant. It's true. It's true. I am freezing bank accounts and robbing you of your civil liberties. Uh, for the sake of democracy. It's all for democracy, okay? Let's just clarify that. These truckers want bodily autonomy. And, oh, I, I just have to let you know that your bodies belong to me, okay? They belong to me, Trudeau. Me. I am in control of your body. There's been some rumors that I am Fidel Castro's son. And that is just, that is false information. It's absolutely false. Yes, me freezing your bank accounts and robbing you of your civil liberties is all for democracy. It's all for democracy. I'm just going to keep saying that. But before I start this, I just want to clarify how much I love Canada. I love Canada so much that I drink maple syrup. It's so good. It's, it's sweet. I, drink, I do this every day, all the time, because I love Canada. I am insisting that the tow trucks... Tow the trucks. Sorry? What? The tow trucks are refusing to tow the trucks. <laughs> it's not hysterical to say that the COVID-19 quarantine and mass national lockdown, which we've never seen in American history, despite our long experience with plague, encouraged the destruction of the middle class in general and the middle class business person in particular. And it championed or enhanced or empowered large corporations that were vertically integrated. The Amazons, the Targets, the social media companies, the Zooms. Now, how did that happen? Well, think for a minute. If you sold shoes and you were a small business, you were shut down. If you sold flowers, you were shut down. If you had a small restaurant, you were shut down. If you had a small business that repaired watches, you were shut down. If you sold phones, you were often shut down. And yet you could go into Walmart, you could go into Target, you could get something to eat, fast food, you could buy shoes, you could buy socks, you could buy anything. And when you went into Walmart or you went into Target, or you went into any of these large chain stores, what did you see? You saw hundreds of people congested in there. It was very different than the experience of going in, opening a door, the little bell rang. There might have been one or two customers you knew, the, the small business person. You could say to the small, have you been vaccinated? Have you had COVID? All of that interpersonal relationship that's so innate to small communities and small businesses. But whether by intent, or just accidentally or laxity, we essentially said to the small business person, you obey us and you're going to shut down your business and you have no power to object. 
You have no capital, you have no vertical integration, you have no influence. And then we said to the large corporation, people during this lockdown will still need to have shoes, they'll need to buy clothing, they'll need to buy food, they'll need to buy durable goods and appliances. And we pick, we select you to be the conveyor of that and you're exempt from the lockdown because we trust that you're large and you're efficient and you're wealthy and we've dealt with you in the past and through political packs and donations and influence. And so it doesn't take a conspiracy to see empirically that the middle class and the middle class business person suffered enormously under COVID lockdowns and quarantines and large corporations got larger and more powerful and more dangerous. Now come over here boy, Sam, and every time it rains it rains. And don't you know it's confident? Every time it rains it rains. And don't you know it's confident? You find your fortune falling. All of a time, all of a time, all of a time. Be sure that your umbrella is upside down and sweet live up. Well, you've probably heard about my Afghan refugee resettlement project, and uh, it's going great, and the people are great. You know, a lot of times uh, in our imagination and our our we tell ourselves stories about life that we try to make a you know our, our mind is constantly working, defining how things are shaken and what's going on. So. Uh, Many times our scenarios about life or about people are wrong. And I think we a lot of people thought that anybody in Afghanistan or Iraq or all the all the enemy and uh, are all Taliban or terrorists. And uh, so the fact is they aren't. And uh, just like people hate America, a lot of times they hate the politicians that create wars. But Americans are some of the finest people in the world. And. Uh, so anyway, I've been having a great experience with these uh, five Afghan refugees that we took in just five days from the time they met us, the uh, Samaritan's Purse people who were working under nine, uh, nine major departments in the government that are uh, sorting through all these 57,000 refugees. And so anyway, it's been a good experience, and uh, it's, it was we had kind of a miracle happen. We haven't been able to find a house yet, so if you know of a rental— two or three bedroom we we desperately need a rental to cut down the cost where we have them and uh and we do money is not a problem and it's not because the government's funding it uh government did contribute some money but we got them all a job all the workers we got an elderly couple and three 20 somethings and uh knight's grapevine nursery they they sell grape vines for the vineyards all over north america and they're located in yuba county and uh, they hired them and uh, they're working full-time, and uh, it's it's a beautiful thing to see because women in Afghanistan don't work. I mean, they don't work outside the home. They're not allowed to, and it's a, it's a cultural—it uh, ain't cool that women don't go to work anywhere. It's like they stay home, and the guy's supposed to take care of them. So uh, it's a total—it's—I uh, it's, uh, don't have time to get into all the details, but it's, it's a very interesting and uh, enjoyable— project uh though full of uh, work it's a lot of work so uh, anyway i just wanted to give a shout out if you know of a uh, i'd like to have it in yuba county but if anywhere in yuba sutter but i want to have them close so because they don't know how to drive they don't have any car they don't transportation is not great here without a vehicle so uh anyway yuba sutter is, is the the goal 
and down here in the valley, not way up in the hills or something, or out at the end of the the, uh, the Sutter County. So if you can help, give me a call at 713-1838. I want to also mention uh, uh, Thrifty Rooter, uh, who I've, I've grown fond of because I got to know them a little bit and uh, in their operation, and I keep running into their workers. Uh, Thrifty Rooter has been uh, working in the plumbing business around here since, I don't know, I think there were still a couple dinosaurs left r running around the gold fields out there. Uh, where the gold fields are now, and they had to kill them uh, to to settle things down before they settled the area. And anyway, the Thrifty Rooter's been here for like pushing 50 years. <clears throat> and uh, if you got any kind of problem, particularly out there in the rural areas, we got septic tanks and and the, you know septic systems. I used to, well, we are, everywhere I've been, we've had septic tanks, and sometimes the pipes come apart, sometimes it's something backs up in a leaf field, or some pipe breaks or the tank gets goofed up and, and these guys know how to fix all that stuff and, and pump it out, pump them out and give some relief. And, but they do any other kind of plumbing inside and outside. And so if you go on their website at thriftyrooter.net, you're going to see the whole menu, just like you went to some restaurant. They just got a whole menu of things they do and you can just check off what you need and send them a little, uh, burst of information off that website. And if, if you don't do websites, just dial them up old school, 530-673-8201, 673-8201. And there are dispatchers there just like they have over at Eubin, Sutter County that are fixing fixing people's problems. So they will direct a, a technician your way, and they'll treat you right. And, uh, you know, all these people, all these people I, I talked to, you know, Thrifty Rooter, Plumbing Doctor, they're all looking for workers. It's busy, busy, busy out there. So you can get a job, and they'll even train you. If you're a real hard worker and you, you're good with your hands, they'll train you. So uh, let me give you one more, and then we're going to go on and, and get into business here. Uh, North Valley Paralegal, uh, Nellie Garcia, she's always helping. She just helped us on a project, a, a volunteer project here a week ago, just helping keep us straight, filing some papers and stuff and protests. And uh, but if you if you have legal needs, don't think you need an attorney because 90 percent of the time you can get by without an attorney. Uh, whether it has something to do with your property or parcel stuff or, you know. Uh, yes, almost everything, you know, I, I used to use attorneys for all kinds of things, and I just wasn't tuned into the paralegal business. But uh, you can get it done quicker, faster, easier, and just, you know, you just walk into a paralegal, boom, they'll just take your take your job, tell you how much it's going to cost, you're done. They'll take care of business. So she's easy to get to. She's right in the center of the two towns right on the river at 751 Sutter Street, just on the other side of the levee from the river, 751 Sutter Street, Yuba City, and easy to get to from either bridge, from either city, And but doesn't matter what county you're in, she'll work with you. Nevada, Butte, you, if you don't have anybody you trust, this gal is trust, trustworthy, and you can tell Nellie Garcia, you heard it over here. She'll treat you right. 530-751-9289, 751-9289. Okay, so um, let me get, I want to make sure we've got these announcements going on. Oh, by the way, I heard that uh, there is going to be COVID con too, if you, if you, picked up either you watch live stream i i was shocked i didn't think covid con 2 was that big out of glad tidings because i didn't get to go to it but they had some really big speakers there both coming in live stream and 
and in town, uh, like Peter McCullough and different people like that. Uh, so I didn't realize it, but they said the other night that they reached over, I think, 280,000 people watched that live stream. So there's going to be, I didn't even think it was advertised that much where in the, the world that I live in, but I was very pleased to hear the results of that. It was the largest impact of any conference we'd ever done at Glad Tidings. I say we, I, I didn't have anything to do with it. I just, I'm just out there doing my little thing, but, um, <clears throat> but they're going to have COVID, COVID con number two, and that's put together by Dr. H Henry Ely from Portland, Oregon. And I'm not quite sure the dates yet, but it's coming up and they say it's going to be bigger and better. And they're going to have a kind of an afterburn session with a lot of the people like Carrie Madej. I think she's flying in from Georgia and um, they're going to have an afterglow brainstorm on where we go from here with the complete collapse of the medical system and lying to the people, deceiving people killing people, destroying people, ruining their health. Um, if they didn't kill them, it ruined them. Um, and lying and going along with a, basically a criminal uh, attempt to take over the entire world. H how are we going to get our medical uh, done? I mean, all these things of people, you either take the jab or you're going to get fired, stuff like that. Do you realize that Big Pharma is controlling the entire medical system in our country. They control the medical schools. They control the FDA. They control the CDC. They control the WHO. They have more lobbyists than anybody else. They have more lobbyists than there are congressmen. Big Pharma. They control every state legislature, Big Pharma. And they've been doing it for 100 years. Now, there's got to be another way. They control the medical licensing of every doctor. So when you see doctors saying stuff, you think, I can't even believe he said that right there. That I know better than that. It's because they're getting paid off by Big Pharma. And their, their license is controlled by Big Pharma. So the question for the future in a lot of areas is, how are we going to deliver education to our children? How are we going to deliver medical care to our, our loved ones, right? How are we going to deliver a secure food supply to our loved ones? And uh, all those issues will, were coming up at the COVID con too as a brainstorm of some of the leaders that are uh, out in front of this. So uh, it's probably a good time to mention freedomco.net. It's a website we created here right in the middle of COVID freedomco.net stands for freedom coalition network. And there's all kinds of information, political information on that site, videos, all kinds of things, how to get involved in your community, who your representatives are, how to contact them. And it's a multi-county site, not just a Yuba city site. And uh, one thing we're concerned about, we've been talking about is, is uh, to that, that we got ripped off, all the small businesses got ripped off, and many of them closed forever. And the government and the whole conspiracy turned all the business to the big box stores. And what we really need to return to is to make sure that we rekindle that small business, small rancher, small farm operation 
and then make sure that they they get sell their products because a lot of times if you've been in farming you grow the products and then the other challenge is to sell the products and so we're going to create a database it's already it's already on online at freedomco.net of farmers and ranchers growers and who they are and what they grow and when it's going to be available so we'll have like a cattle rancher that grows either uh, hormone-free beef or free-range beef or grass-fed beef or grain feed beef and they will uh you can get the the cow or the steer butchered there you know and do the whole thing right from the pasture on out and and skip the whole grocery store thing and all the hormones and all the nonsense we got people that are growing their own eggs we got people that are uh raising all kinds of fruit and nuts and stuff like that and we want to include them there and make sure that they sell all their product and they get a good price for it and we get a good uh quality product i don't know if you've ever uh if you ever eat tomatoes or you know fruit in the stores that we grow here when you when you get the real thing and grow it here you can't even believe it's the same piece of uh vegetable or fruit so that's you might check that site out if you know of any farmers ranchers growers whatever you want to call them please uh you can send them to me that'd be an easy place you can either text me at 530-713-1838 their name if you just give me a name and number, I'll call them. Or if you want to give me the name, address, phone number, and what they grow, time of year they grow it, stuff like that, or raise it, uh, we will add it to our website. There's no charge. It's a courtesy to the, the hardworking uh, agricultural people in our area. So just shoot me a text, and we'll connect them up. We'll get it and put it right on the site. And uh, So that's important to this COVID con thing. We, we're in the midst of a reformation we don't know how many, you know, from, from a biblical standpoint, we don't know how many years we actually have left, but uh, we're just taking it as it comes. But what we do know is we need to, we need to deliver the goods of society in a, dif a different way. And uh, we cannot depend on government. We cannot depend on the institution that's of old. We can't, uh, even our law enforcement thing has had a complete collapse. The Department of Justice, FBI is... For, is criminals in the FBI, criminals in the Department of Justice, the CIA. There's so many dirty people involved in these things. We just need to look to other sources. Local law enforcement is a different situation. But uh, we need to look at, in every area of our life, we need to see, uh, are we going to be able to continue on the way we're going? Okay, so let me get down here and get down to business. And... Uh, I wanted to mention this. This is so interesting. This is how cool Chris Ann Hall is. She said this. If the convoy, she's talking about the 12, the 50,000 or 60,000. I don't know how many trucks we got going. We got horses. We got people marching. Oh, by the way, Arturo or Arthur Palowski is going to be here. I think he's, we got him scheduled on March 29th. He's the Polish pastor that his, his, uh, video went viral not in no intention on his part standing down the canadian police who then arrested him driving down the freeway one day and he's being held in solitary confinement up in some prison in canada right now or jail because he's been protesting with all the truckers so but he's supposed to he's scheduled to be in the united states towards the end of march and if you want to see a guy it's a tuesday night gig it's seven o'clock there's no charge to come to it 
we'll probably take an offering to help this guy, but he is one of a kind and you need that spirit inside of you of what he's got. So, uh, so anyway, along that line, Chris Ann Hall says, if the convoy doesn't call cause supply chain disruptions, the administration of Canada will use it as an excuse. In other words, I'll make up the fact that they're, they're breaking down our supply chains for the good people of Canada. He, she said the administration will use it as an excuse to strangle the supply chain. They'll do it artificially to blame the convoy and starve the people into submission. Is that amazing? The, now, this is the coolest thing. I think it, this is why history is so amazing. She then says this is exactly, and she says it in bold caps, this is exactly what King George III did in 1774 after the Boston Tea Party. The Boston Tea Party was like the equivalent of a 1774 truck uh, embargo, filling up all the lanes with the trucks. And she said, after that, those who don't know their history, she said, are doomed to repeat its mistakes. Learn all about government's next move. Study with us at libertyfirstsociety.com. Now, that's one of her uh, websites where she teaches from. But uh, you can all see, see her at Chris, chrisannhall.com. But libertyfirstsociety.com. If you want to look at the story, she's probably got an article over there or a teaching on how the King George called, you know, we think of the colonists as wonderful people. King George called them terrorists. You see what I'm saying? That's exactly what our government, our tyrannical government, always blames it on the good people that they're supposed to be serving. All the problems. So she says this can, if they start blaming a supply chain problem, they are creating that artificially. And this is just what Justin uh, Fidel Castro's son, Trudeau, says uh, he says that the truckers are causing a complete collapse in their country and in the collapse of their institutions. So therefore, they're gonna they're gonna send they're already sending out snipers. I've started thinking about the Clive and Bundy deal in Nevada when they sent out snipers over there and blamed the Bundys for all kinds of ugliness and they didn't do anything wrong. And I think the Bundys still have their property. And the only reason that whole Bundy thing started was because. Harry Reid, Dirty Harry Reid, who was a senator from over there, wanted the Bundy's property to do a deal with China. These guys are, I'm telling you, you, you follow all this, and it's just corruption, corruption, evil, evil, evil. And she said that's ex what's happening in Canada right now, and the way that Trudeau's handling it is just like King George did in 1774 blaming the terrorists for all uh, blaming the colonists as terrorists for all the problem and what we need to do is take all the guns we need to come in there and just clean house that's what they did so uh, this one person writes so so he says so they're invoking the emergency act in canada and freezing personal bank accounts did you know that if they catch you donating to go fund me for the truckers they will freeze your bank account now i'm telling you that is easy to do. That is really easy to do. And it isn't innocent till proven guilty. It's like they think you're a bad person, so they just swipe your money. They just sweep it out of there. And I don't know if you've ever had any uh, 
had any property that that was stolen, even stolen from you, that was recovered, and put in evidence at the at the sheriff's department to get your property back. Somebody just told me about a vehicle that somebody got stolen or a trailer or something. A friend of mine, and we were just talking on the phone a few hours ago, and he said, "Lou, it took him over a year to get the thing out of impound." It's crazy. So anyway, this person talks about freezing the accounts. He says, I wonder whatever happened to the bank accounts of everyone who was rioting, looting, and burning everything. <laughs> you think they, they froze any accounts <clears throat> of BLM or Antifa? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. You know, let me read, let me read you. Oh, shoot, man. We're almost out of time. Here we, man, time's flying by. I got uh, 15 seconds here. I'm going to read you a quote of something that you're not going to believe. <laughs> I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it in the next segment. <clears throat> I got a clip to play in the next segment. That's going to blow your mind. And uh, from Peter Schweitzer. So we'll do that. And uh, then uh, I got way too much material. I'm going to read something to you. You won't believe, but it was, it was a miracle that happened. Okay. We'll be right back. Tonight you're mine completely You give your love so sweetly Tonight the light I was born in North Korea in 1993, North Korea is so-called socialist paradise. We don't even know what internet is, don't even have this electricity. I eventually had to escape at 13 because I was starving. We have people here in America who are complaining about the smallest things. Are you seeing anything similar from North Korea to what you're seeing in a government like America today? It's so millions of similarities. In North Korea, they had to blame somebody. But now, I'm sitting in Manhattan, Columbia University. They say that white men are the source of every evil. And this is the exact same narrative that North Korean regime teaches like the people to brainwash. And it's supposedly the one of the best education system. And not only that, like talking about white guilt, white privileges, like what the heck? Slavery still exists in North Korea. It's just heartbreaking to see that this wonderful country is being destroyed by these people who are so misled, so blind. But how do I blame them? Their education, even at Ivy League school, is so misinformed. There's a fight now about CRT, critical race theory. No justice, no peace. CRT argues that racism is endemic to America, that every American institution exists to uphold white supremacy. White human beings thought there's a world here and we own it. Rutgers professor Brittany Cooper promotes CRT. Look, I think that white people are committed to being villains in the aggregate, right? They, they actually aren't mad because critical race theory is just a theory. They are mad because critical race theory is an accurate account of American history. These parents call CRT racial propaganda and don't want it taught in schools. I will ban critical race theory. Glenn Youngkin was elected governor of Virginia after opposing it, while media mocked him. I'm gonna ban critical race theory. That is like us banning the ghost. CRT is not taught in schools, they say. There are no ghosts. There isn't critical race theory talk. This is a multi-million dollar industry. Azra Namani did what more journalists should do. 
she filed Freedom of Information Act requests that forced school districts to reveal that they're paying consultants to spread critical race theory. I have the proof. We found 300 plus contracts and counting, like every day I'm getting a new contract. For them to deny it is just part of their campaign. But that's just for teachers, says the CNN guest. Can it influence the way that some teachers teach? Uh, yeah, but that's a good thing, right? Because race and racism is literally the building box of this country. They want to look at all of society through issues of race. Nomani calls that propaganda that's claiming our children. How is it claiming the children? That's exaggeration. This idea that we have of critical race theory has become this phenomena of woke baby. Books like these are now part of the curriculum. Can I see that? Yeah. This one is A is for activist. Each letter promotes a different form of protest. N is for no, 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 no. Yes to what we want. Educate, organize. It's like a union recruiting manual. Yeah. Is this really taught in schools? It is used in our schools. Like every example that I have is from our K through 12 system. This book's supposed to teach kindergarten kids about America's violent white supremacy. Dude, we can see your pointy tail. Contract, binding you to whiteness. You get stolen land, sign away your soul. So white people are the devil. Yeah. You know, that's pretty over the top. But look, how much influence does this author have on school kids? One or two books like this. I think it's devastating. I mean, just imagine if a black child was to get a book like this that said blackness is a bad deal. The author says, I made a book for white children that encourages them to connect with their heartbreak about racism. It's filled with shame. It should not be done with children. Your time is up, ma'am. You all Your time need is up, ma'am. Nomani fights a lonely fight against her woke school board. Down. Next speaker. Continue to Next shut us down. speaker. They have tried to humiliate us, shut us up, uh, denigrate us. School boards don't like parents criticizing them nor do teachers' unions. Teaching the truth is not radical or wrong. That was the message today from the president of one of the largest teachers' unions. Teaching the truth is not wrong. And America has a history of racism. Yeah, we have to confront it. But America does not have a monopoly on racism. I come from a nation of people of, quote, color, and they are racist to each other. India, where she was born, has long had a caste system. Untouchables can't use this public well because even their touch would pollute the water. Slavery began in the Middle East and thrived in Africa long before slaves were brought to America. And it was actually Americans who helped end the practice. But today, many college students think America invented slavery. It says F America with the KKK in it. This poster was put up in a Los Angeles school. This is now state-sponsored indoctrination. It's not indoctrination, they say. It's just trying to make things more tolerant for people. It is a bigotry that they are teaching and a shaming that they're doing of our children. It's just so immoral. I am a brown Muslim woman, an immigrant in America, and I know more freedoms in this country than I could in any Muslim country in the world. But they're not in a Muslim country, they're in America, and there is still racism here. 
But to suggest that this is all of America is as racist and bigoted as it is to be racist and bigoted against people of color. Government officials, school systems are captured by this extreme and sometimes idiotic philosophy? They are. And that's what everybody has to understand. Like, why should every single person care? Because it's the taxpayers that are funding this. This is state-sponsored indoctrination. One solution is school choice. Let parents take their tax money to a school they choose. Right now, most choices are made by people like the teachers' union. Teaching the truth is not radical or wrong distorting history and threatening educators for teaching the truth is what is truly radical. No reason to get excited. All right, so here we go. Let me let me give a shout out to a couple of people that. Uh, so I don't like to do it. I don't like to short sheet anybody. Uh, so I want to remind you that if you got any power equipment, sometimes things break and you just stack it up on the shelf in the garage. Think, oh, I gotta get, I gotta find somebody to work on that. I'll tell you the guys to work on it, and get it done, and not charge an arm or leg is all power services, Will Fanning and Josh James, and they'll fix anything the motor runs. Uh, all, pow all power services, that's exactly what it means. That's what they work on. And then they also do custom welding and fabrication, so anything from vehicles to off-road stuff, boat motors, weed eaters, they fix it. All power services, go give them a call. Or just show up out there, 844-0347. That's a 530-844-0347. Or allpower1469 at gmail.com. They're at 1469 Stewart Road, Yuba City. That's right off Highway 99. These guys are nice. They're honest. They're fair. And they're bright. <laughs> really bright. Bright guys. I have. I so admire pe watching people do their trade. And do you think, how do you do that? It's just like unbelievable what he just did. So, uh, also, you know, in these days, I, oh, I was over getting some at Walgreens across the street and, uh, and I watched a guy walk in and he was homeless guy. And the way he walked in, I thought he's all for getting fired up. He's going to go in there and rip them off. And so sure enough, I, I, I glanced down the aisles to see what he was up to. And, and he was like looking around, seeing if who's looking at him. So I walked up to this, uh, tell uh, the, 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 what do you call him, the, the checkout person. And I said, hey, the dude with the hat, hat on back is ripping you off down there. So <laughs> I'm just giving you a heads up. And uh, so anyway, it, it, uh, while, it, and the odd thing is, while, while he was doing that, a, a person from a security office just in to buy something from another security business was in there picking up some stuff. And I thought maybe it was a police officer because of the uniform, but it was a security service. So that's that's the world we live in today, people. I mean, people are just ripping off, stealing stuff out of your front yard, just everything, stealing stuff out of your, the bone yard, out at your job, uh, 
off the, you know, you got a construction job going, you're working, you know, you got equipment parked around, people are stealing products off the equipment. It's just nuts. People are crazy. The new methamphetamine out there right now, people are going crazy quick on it. So uh, if you want some help or you need to go to, if you want to take a job and, and work in that field, Elite Universal Security will help you. They're, they're based in Yuba County, but they, they work all over the counties of Northern California. So if you need to figure out how in the world can I protect myself, whether it's house protection or business protection, government protection, security, whether you need a guard, whether you need drive-by, whether you need technology, these guys can help you. Monty Hecker started this business, and it's been a, a great business for him for many years since he uh, retired from the Air Force. So 5548 Feather Boulevard, let me give you a number to call him. Uh, 530-749-0280, 530-749-0280. Even though you're not in our counties down here, maybe, uh, check them out because they may have a job over there where, where you're living, and they really need people over there, and they will train you to do the job. So um, give them a shout. If you need a, a concealed weapon permit, they can help with that. They got, You can go on their EliteUniversalSecurity.com website or on their API-Academy.com website for their schooling and and you can get it on and do good so uh on this our our project on east street in marysville we're going to trick out this building starting uh, this in a week from now um uh, greenitz construction is going to be involved in that dave greenitz and he he uh also he's helping with the afghan project he, we we have to outfit a house get it get a building get a house or apartment then we have to get furniture everything from salt and pepper on up so anyway he's called lulu i'm redoing my house parts of it for leslie and i and he says if you need he said we got some stuff set aside for you just looks just like new we're just changing it up so greenest construction you want to check out some really cool houses that where they've gone in and just give it given that thing a shot of a new life in the bathroom or kitchen or somewhere uh, what whatever the project is, they'll show you before and after shots that uh, we were laughing about. I said, man, I'd just take some of those befores don't even look that bad. I'll take the before over my house. He was laughing. He said, I know we tear out some amazing places, then redo the whole thing, make it nicer. So check out Green It's Construction, Green with ETZ on the end, dot com, or you could go to his Facebook page, Dave Green It's Construction, and you can snoop around all you want, be nervous, snoop around ask people about him, all the kind of stuff. And then uh, if you want to send him a message there, you can, or just dial him up at 530-682-9602, Those are a lot of the people that make it possible for us to be on the air. So, um, okay, let's uh, play this clip. It's a good clip by Peter Schweitzer, and he is an investigative reporter. I think you're going to like it. Here we go. Guys, I'm just delighted to welcome to the podcast Peter Schweitzer, my friend, uh, investigator extraordinaire, president of the Government Accountability Institute, and author of this remarkable bestseller, Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich, Helping China Win. Peter, thanks for joining me. Um, there's just so much in this book. It's so thoroughly researched. I want people to get the book, uh, read the chapter and verse for themselves. But let's just touch on some of the high points starting with the big man, uh, Joe Biden. How has Joe Biden and the Biden family enriched themselves at the hands of the Chinese? Well, Hunter Biden did a series of uh, business deals in China. I first reported on that back in 2018. 
Uh, but we have new information. We have the Hunter Biden laptop. We have an email collection from one of his business partners. And what we've done, Dinesh, is try to figure out exactly how much money did they get and who made those deals happen? Or as our kids would say, who made it rain for the Bidens in China? And what we found is that the deals that we know of, uh, they received some $31 million in these deals. And these deals were arranged by Chinese businessmen. And every single one of them has links to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. So what was initially a story about corruption, self-dealing, and cronyism is, in my mind, a story now of intelligence, possibly of espionage. And we need to entertain the idea and investigate the fact that the Biden family may actually be compromised by Chinese intelligence. One thing I found striking is that we know, and I think you talked in one of my movies about Rosemont Seneca as being one of the pass-through companies that was set up by Hunter Biden along with a, with a business partner named Archer. But here in the book, you divulge that it isn't one company, rather there's a kind of a, a myriad, a network of companies. Uh, and, and I wonder if the motive of doing it this way is uh, to camouflage the degree of involvement between the Bidens and China. Uh, I think absolutely that's part of the motivation. I mean, there are dozens of LLCs, uh, limited liability companies that Hunter Biden set up. Some of them are simply pass-throughs. Uh, some of them serve very specific purposes. But yes, it's kind of this uh, plate of spaghetti of entangled LLCs that work together. Uh, and I think obscuring the trail is part of it. Uh, it's also clear that Hunter Biden was trying to obscure the trail in other ways. Uh, one of the things I point out is that once he started securing these deals in China that, as I said, are linked to Chinese intelligence in some way, uh, you have Hunter Biden make a very bizarre request. He goes to the U.S. Secret Service, and they've confirmed this, and says, I don't want protection when I travel overseas, including to China. Uh, this is remarkable because anybody who does business in China knows that you can be vulnerable to compromise to all kinds of intelligence uh, operations, and that would include the vice president as well. So, yes, there, there's a lot of efforts here to conceal uh, who he was doing the deals with and how that money was channeled back to the family. Also, Peter, once you trace the money flowing into the Biden family, you make it really clear that this isn't just for uh, funding Hunter Biden's drug habit or it isn't money just for Hunter Biden to pocket for himself. There's a very interesting way in which it flows back to other members of the Biden family, including the man sitting in the Oval Office. Describe how that happens. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Joe Biden says, I've never taken a dime of foreign money. Well, that's because it's, in effect, laundered through Hunter, uh, because what we found out is that Hunter Biden was subsidizing his father's lifestyle. Uh, he was paying some of his monthly bills, but he was also paying for other expenses like renovations on his home in Delaware while Joe Biden was vice president of the United States. So Hunter Biden, in a sense, is, is kind of the entity that serves as the pass-through between these Chinese companies or businessmen and Joe Biden himself. To be clear, this is not legal. You're not allowed to do this as a politician, to have your lifestyle subsidized by a family member. Uh, and it also raises troubling questions about uh, the issue of compromise, because I'm sure that uh, Beijing has some awareness of where this money's going. And I think that Joe Biden had to have an inkling that this money was coming from Hunter's overseas deals. 
I mean, one thing, uh, Peter, is that you, 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 you could have written a whole book just on the Bidens, but you expand <laughs> the uh, circumference of this inquiry. You talk about members of Congress. I want to focus uh, briefly on two, Nancy Pelosi and Dianne Feinstein. I mentioned Dianne Feinstein because she's not only an influential senator, but she's been in there for a long time. Uh, and so has cultivated, as you demonstrate, long-term dealings with the Chinese. Talk about how the Pelosi and Feinstein families have uh, struck it rich, in part through the Chinese. Well, Diane Feinstein, as you point out, uh, it's it's unfolded over the course of decades. Uh, and what's important to point in mind, point out, is that Diane Feinstein was the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, one of only a handful of people they get access to the top intelligence in the country. And during her tenure in that position, uh, her husband was securing hundreds of millions of dollars of deals in China, uh, deals with Chinese state-owned companies. A lot of them were regarded as groundbreaking because her husband, Richard Blum, was the first one to get those kinds of deals in China, uh, which speaks to the fact that these were special deals. Uh, but to show how this penetration worked uh, in sort of a bizarre way, while she is chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, her husband, Richard Blum, is a large shareholder in a Chinese computer company called Legend, which sells computers to the United States military. you got to wonder how that happens. But the U.S. Marine Corps discovers that these laptop computers have bugs in them, and they're sending all the information back to China. That's, that's part of the record in several court cases. So the bottom line is the chairwoman of the Senate Intelligence Committee's husband is partners with a company that is trying to bug the laptops of the United States Marine Corps at the same time. You can't make it up. When you look at Nancy Pelosi, she used to be very critical of Beijing in the 1990s. Uh, that changed when her husband and her son started securing deals overseas in mainland China. And it's reached the point now where she says, yes, China does commit a genocide against the Uyghurs. And yes, it has a horrible human rights record, but that doesn't matter because there are more important issues to address, which China is very happy with that. It's important to keep in mind their approach on these matters is they don't expect robotic response from American politicians. Uh, their strategy loosely translated is they want big help with a little bad mouth. So if you talk about the Uyghurs, if you talk about human rights, they don't really care. As long as you help them with the really big and important stuff, they are very happy with Amer what American politicians are doing for them. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we are going to jump right into this because we only have about seven minutes left. I wish we had an hour left. We had some really good clips here, or not clips, but just topics. But I wanted to include this. this stu I stumbled across this. Somebody posted this, and, and I know the family of A.A. A. Allen. A.A. A. Allen was a uh, tent evangelist in the 1950s. We would call him a healing evangelist. I know a lot of people think there's a lot of, they have a lot of skepticism out there. And uh, there's been a lot of foolishness over the years in this realm, people uh, faking healings and stuff. But this guy was the, the real McCoy and the real deal. And... Uh, he had big tent meetings, thousands would, the tent would hold thousands. And uh, he had one of the, during the 50s, these were mixed meetings. In other words, there was about 50% minority and 50% white in these meetings. And uh, so he was one of the first guys to have blacks in his worship group up front. But A.A. A. Allen was a uh, healer. 
And I want to read this account to you, and maybe you uh, this will mean something to you. Maybe you're uh, not a follower of Jesus. Uh, this isn't really a Christian program, but I just think that this is such a powerful story about what happened here. Many people would bring their sick, sick and people in on stretchers and uh, crippled people to his meetings, and they got healed. So let me just read this to you really quick. We just have five minutes left. So during A.A. Allen's healing revival in Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama, a mother from Knoxville, Tennessee, brought her son for prayer. David, the boy, was three years old and had been the most underdeveloped boy ever born in Tennessee. He was paralyzed on his right side, blind in one eye, deaf, and mute. Uh, he couldn't even crawl because his limbs were like twisted sticks and his feet were deformed. <clears throat> All total, he had 26 major diseases or defects in the body. His mother had been told by one doctor, only God can help your boy now. David's mother took the, that statement literally. When she heard that Alan would be holding meetings in Birmingham, she knew she had to get there. As a single mother in 1959, with a special needs child, there was no, that was no small task. Although it cost her all she had, she drove the 250 miles alone with her boy to get him to the revival. The great physician did not disappoint. What happened at the meeting in Birmingham is called the greatest miracle of A.A. Allen's ministry. As Allen held the boy in his arms and wept over him, suddenly two bright blue pupils appeared where once there was only a milky gray of blindness. The boy's limbs began to morph like putty into the corrected shape. His tongue, which had hung loose out of his mouth limply before, snapped back into his mouth, and he began to call out his first words, Mama, Mama. And when he caught sight of her, he took her his first steps to go embrace his mother. He was completely healed. However, the Lord did not end there in that meeting. God wasn't going to leave anything unfinished. The tent was full of people with significant needs. Spontaneously, with no one praying for them, every person in a wheelchair stood up altogether totally healed. Every person in a stretcher got up the same way. People began running to the front so they could throw their hearing aids on the altar. I didn't even know they had hearing aids back then. <clears throat> then came the glasses. I could use some help there. Then came the glasses. Then came the walking sticks for the blind. For the blind. Not You, were, you thought I was going to have walking sticks for somebody who's like a cane. This is walking sticks for the blind. Then they start throwing them up on the stage. Every single person was healed as the glory of God rested under that tent that night. Is that a cool story? Can you imagine a mother driving 250 miles with a boy that that uh, troubled? Uh, that I, I just think it's just un unbelievable. That changed my life right there if that happened to me. It was, I mean, just watching that, it was just, uh, that's, that's what I, that's what I get up in the morning for. I'm telling you what. So, uh, okay. I think we're about, we got, we got, we had some cool stuff. I just got, there's so much going on that, uh, I, uh, let me just say there's two minutes left. So it says PSYOPs confirmed government admits 
They used mass formation psychosis to enforce compliance with COVID restrictions. All the dirt, folks, is coming out. The dirty dogs, the filthy. We got people in Yuba County Jail that should be let loose, and we need to put these other people from the county and the state and the federal government in there. It says, how did civilized society become so manic over just a simple virus that for all intents and purposes is not nearly as lethal or dangerous as we originally thought. Originally thought. This is amazing. I, I was looking at Epoch Times. I was having a little Chinese food tonight. I went over to Drag On In, and and they they fed me uh, like they do a lot. And uh, so when I was reading the paper while I was slurp, slurping down some garlic chicken and some chow mein and uh, egg roll, I noticed that uh, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy Phil Murphy. Now, Murphy, I always want to call him Murray. Murphy, he's the guy that when he was questioned about the strict COVID restrictions, said, the guy says, well, what about the Constitution? You think this is Constitution? He said, oh, the Constitution's over my pay grade, right? Do you remember that? Now this guy, here's what this guy's saying. He says, we're not going to manage this. He means this means COVID to zero. In other words, we're not going to stay under restrictions until we run out of everything. He said, we have to learn how to live with this. And then he goes on below. He said, we have to learn how to live with COVID-19. You know, it's the interesting thing, people. This is the common cold, the COVID. And we have been learning how to live. Just want, like one of the Afghan ladies the other day said, Lou, she didn't say Lou, but she, she said, you know, she speaks Farsi. So I could, I learned that she had a cold coming on. And uh, so Anyway, we've been managing with colds forever because there is no solution to that. It's a quick-changing virus, and she had a little touch of it, and I loaded her up with all the goodies I use. My point is that Phil Murphy, this this uh, governor of New Jersey, what a total jerk. We've been doing that for hundreds of years, and now he's saying after we went through all this, he's just going to walk away and make a big excuse about how he handled the thing and just say, well, we just need to— we just need to kind of live with it. Thank you very much, Mr. Murphy. All right, we're going to call it a night here or a day where you are, and uh, God bless you, and do something good this week. Take care. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies are blue and clouds of white, the bright and blessed day and the dark sacred night. <laughs> 